You were the chosen one, Deviation. It was said that you would join PlayStation Studios, not lay off 90 people, reportedly. You were to bring balance to the portfolio, not leave it in darkness. I hate you, Jim Ryan. Melodramata. Melodramatic. Melodramaticness. Near automata. <laughs> Melodramata. Melodrama. Melodrama out of the way. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. <clears throat> I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is one man who regrettably now may have to concede that he was potentially not right in one particular area of his recent predictions. Uh, Mr. Chris Figs. Hey, what's up? Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, doing better since you sent me that video with my girl. Uh-huh. You know, any day where you get to see Selena Gomez dancing around in an attractive way is just a good day. I'm any honest. day you get to see Selena Gomez is a good day. It's a good day. You're right. You, when you when you simp, you've got to you just got to simp. You know, it's like that Ice Cube song. <laughs> yes. Yes, just like that. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about a couple of things. Of course, uh, the fateful, fun summer of games that is uh, nearing us and, you know, just a couple weeks off, potentially even that little showcase that everybody keeps talking about. Uh, But in the meantime, we are going to talk about Square Enix, talking about how they want to up their output of big games. PlayStation introducing the India Hero Project, which uh, may sound familiar for some of you who recognize the Hero Project moniker. Uh, we're going to be talking about PS Plus games that are hitting, um, Overwatch 2 having some stuff, a whole bunch of stuff going on, as well as one very sad piece of news about deviation. But before we get there, we are going to start to show off the way we always do. Time on a tradition, checking in on what we've been playing, what we've been up to. Chris, it has been one week since the people have checked in with you. But in that week, one very important thing has happened. Hmm. I got a new job. So don't <laughs> surprise don't surprise me at all uh, by telling me what you have been playing. Um, MLB twenty three the show. Uh, spent <gasps> a good am- no Can way. Can you believe that? I'm uh, I'm going for the PS four platinum. So oh, you decided? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't even play noticeably worse. It's just loads longer. That's it. Um, there's some stuff I'm not sure of because I've already completed the Negro Leagues, but I need to complete them on the PS4 version. So I have no idea if I just need to play them all again, if I only need to play one. I know I don't only need to play one because I already did play one. Um, so I got to figure that out. And then, yeah, just going for everything else. So is the confusion that the the Negro Leagues is part of one of the, is it like part of the uh, Diamond Dynasty or whatever? It's thing. not or part it's of Diamond. Is it, is it server bound? Is that why? Yeah, I, I think so. Because it shows me on the PS4 version having completed Diamond, uh, the Negro League stuff, like all the moments okay. and stuff. But it, does, yeah. it, I don't have the trophy. But it's weird because some other trophies popped, so like auto popped for me um, that are server side, like Diamond Dynasty specific stuff. Oh, okay. So I don't. Oh, that's I'm a little surprised good. by that. Yeah, no, it's great. I was just surprised by that one. But yeah, it's just mm-hmm. all single player stuff. I got to get done. Um, I'm working on March to October, which is catastrophically boring. And then, uh, yeah, just continuing on. It's the new season of MLB The Show, so uh, I've got a, I've got a lot of cards to go for and stuff like that. Um, what were you hoping so about when hearing something else? In yes, go ahead. In that game, do you suddenly lose access to your previous cards, or do they rebalance? Um, so they add more cards 
they rebalance. So there's stuff like Team Affinity, um, which is like if you take each division, you can do missions and stuff, and you earn cards. Like hopped up Jacob Degrom, basically, and stuff and stuff like that. Sure, better yeah. than live series, not the best he's ever been, kind of things. Um, so that all starts. There's new conquests. There's new battle royale rewards. There's new events. Um, is part of the way. Launch. I hadn't thought of it, but I guess considering the way sports work, is part of what's going on there the idea that per season you're essentially drafting all over again? Is that no. kind of the the no. idea behind the cards now? No. So there's sets in this year, which is a new wrinkle in it, which I'm of two minds of because I remember talking to the guy I work with who I play a lot of MLB with last year, and we were talking about how, oh, well, there there, there becomes power creep, right, where – I've been playing since day one. My team has been set since day one. And now all these new cards, like I have no use for, you know? So that was an issue I identified last year. This year, they've introduced sets. So for season one, you could use set one cards. For season two, you can use set one and set two cards. For season three, you use set two and set three. So set one cards become obsolete. Um, so I'm interested so to set see how rotation. that plays. Ugh. Yeah. I'm I know some people who play Magic love that as far as card things go, but one of the things I love about Yu-Gi-Oh is that there is no set rotation. There's just ban lists. But yeah. we're talking about a very different type of interaction yeah. of cards. Uh, for this one, it's, <laughs> it's to make you... I, I don't know the reason. Maybe it's so that you're not... You know, like last year, it was if you had 99 Kettle Marte, Marte, you never took him out of his lineup. He was one of the best cards in the game. So I think they're trying to mitigate that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's weird because... It, it introduces weird stuff like like the captain cards are really cool because they buff stuff, but now I can't use a monthly card series captain in season four with my season one Matt Chapman card right that I had to grind for. Um, so it's it's bringing up a lot of weird issues that I'm not sure how I feel about yet. You know, it's weird knowing that a card I spent a week like I literally spent a week grinding out the, to get this card. In a, in a month, it's not going to be usable unless I set it as my wild card, which is a cool thing. You can use any any set card that you want. You can make your wild card and you can keep using it. Um, but it's just weird because, like I said, I have like I like that Matt Chapman card. I spent a lot of time grinding for it. But I also have a parallel five Pedro Martinez that it's like, well, I don't want to lose that because it's the best pitcher I have. Um, mm. In terms of parallels, every time you parallel a card, it, all its attributes go up one. So now my Pedro being a parallel five, it's got a base 120, you know, K per nine. Now it's got a 125 K per nine, which buffs it, buffs all its stats, right? So it's it's going to make lineup building interesting, especially if you're doing that. But I think it takes away from the captains, which they also introduced this year, because I think you can't build a theme team throughout the year, you know? So it's interesting. Um, I'm still enjoying the grind for the most part, but it is definitely becoming a grind. <laughs> you know how last week you compared your MLB playing to Destiny? Yeah. You just it's hit more same. Destiny. It's the same. So yeah, the same. I, I think I've got the answer. The real reason they introduced this is for longer play because you can't get to a perfect team and then just keep it forever. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to make you more likely to come back and keep playing to keep your team at an up position so that you can continue to do well. Mm-hmm. It's going to make it easier for new players to come in because if this is in a competitive sense at all, you can't come in with a perfect team that you've already set up and then new players who've come in have to constantly go against people who have set up a perfect team that never goes out of play means that you're kind of always keeping a relatively fair playground 
for the most part, or at least a starting point. You know, if like you're a new player and you're mid-season, you go, well, worst case scenario, it'll be even in a month or so whenever a new season starts. Yeah, but you know? I don't know that I agree there because at that point, you're also, you'd are also you also need to make the argument that you need to take all the monetization out of the game because I can spend $1,000 and buy every card. Right? Yeah, but the difference is, is that they'll allow that because they profit off of it. They don't profit off of you building a perfect team and then sitting forever and creating a barrier of entry for other people. But if you're creating a barrier of entry for other people because they're making thousands of dollars off of someone being a whale, then yeah, they're probably still happy with that. If we're being sure. honest, there's the, the pl- there's the good of the player base and the good of the money, and they're trying to constantly find the balance between that. Well, um, I guess I guess the thing is, like your point does make sense. Like I don't necessarily disagree. But I think the sure. way that the game works is by the end of set two, if I play as much of set two as I did a set one, keep in mind for set one, I'm at about 175 hours of MLB 23 of the show. Sure. Right? So yeah. let's say I kept that cadence. I would have a lineup just as good ready for season two because I would unlock all the cards. I would get like the the big poppy bonus, the goose gossage bonus cards. So going into set season two, because I'm allowed to have set two, it would still I would still have a lineup going through. I just don't have the lineup that I optimally choose. Right? Like I, mm-hmm. I know this is going a lot of, over a lot of people's heads who don't follow baseball, but like I have my first base Tristan Casas that I bought, who's not my best first baseman. But he's a Red Sox, and I like him, and he's a good card, so I keep him in my lineup. Once set two comes around, I'm just forced to get rid of him or make my team actively worse by not putting Pedro or Chapman as my wild card. Sure. So yeah, they're sure. not they're not helping with power creep because the cards from set two are already going into set three. So I'm still going to have a top of the uh, top of the line lineup. I just don't have every card I want to use. Where to me, well, yeah, but but eventually every card you have is going to go away. So in, you're right. For people who play consistently and never stop, mm-hmm. it's not going to really change much. But for people who take breaks and come back, it's going to give you more incentive to come back because you're like, well, there's something to do. It's going to when you come back, you know that if you've took a long enough break, none of your cards are going to be in play anymore because you've rotated the set out. Um, there's there's a lot of things, but really what this sounds like is you know we've been talking and a lot of people have. It's not just us, obviously, about how uh, some of Sony's uh, games as a service that they're working on have to include MLB and Gran Turismo. And I think MLB is trying to actively make a push to be a better games as a service and yeah. be able to hold people's attention better throughout the year that they tend to support it. I think my real curiosity would come in if they <laughs> dramatically change up how they go to where they stop or to where they still continue to support with new seasons, MLB the show 23 when 24 comes out, that would be a massive change for them and be really weird. I don't think that they There's will. No but shot. There's yeah, no way. It doesn't make sense to me, but I do think that this sounds like at least from an outsider's perspective, I could see how they're viewing this as looking and being like, okay, this is how we can drive MLB to being a better games as a service like game. And maybe that plays into Herman well, Holst's thing about different scopes and scales. Maybe yeah. that is the answer of a of a game to the service that you're not meant to play in perpetuity because at the end of a year they'll stop supporting it anyway. To move off of baseball because I know at some point it's going to have to and I'm not a big baseball fan, but I do find the way that they choose to design those games very interesting because you have to try and 
draw people in for what they like about baseball and then draw people in for what they like about gaming and then find a way to marry those in a way that makes the most sense for everybody in terms of business and player retention. Yeah. Uh, it's and a real, real weird thing. MLB, out of all of the games of service I've ever played, this might be a hot take, it has the best, uh, for lack of a better word, um, injection of dopamine of any of these games, right? Because you don't understand, like, I guess, Mike, like Sean, when he gets the right role of fucking Gallahorn's dangly dick out of, uh, <laughs> out of the vault of cum or whatever the hell they're playing. You know, when he gets that, you get you get that same, oh shit, this is awesome. But there is something really great about like what I've been doing, right? The moment um I'm sorry, Road to October has taken me ten hours of gameplay. All day yesterday and up until I had a work meeting today. I've been running that exact mode. But by the time I finish, I will unlock multiple great cards. I will be almost done with multiple sets. So if you, I think this conversation while we're talking about baseball and I'm saying a bunch of gibberish words to people who don't understand baseball, like what the fuck is a Tristan Casas? I know what that is. It doesn't make sense to anyone listening who doesn't care. But it's a really good way to look at what Sony is going to be looking, looking at doing with their games as a service, which is what you're saying, right? Understanding yeah, that yeah. this MLB grind will translate into firewalks triple a shooter right um, or at least or at least maybe right it gives us a hint into because this sounds like a big change for mlb that wasn't there before yeah but we've been actively hearing sony talk more about games as a service so i think that there is a reasonable correlation where you can look at mlb and the measured changes that they're making in an effort to try and do this which seems clearly towards trying to better support a games as a service model and then how they may extrapolate these out into other things and morph them and, t- and change them. And he talks about that. So I don't, it's not a one size fits all, but I still think it's an interesting point for one of the few games that Sony has out with this type of uh, monetization market on the back. Like it is a games as a service in many ways, or at least half of it is, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of the only study cases that we have. Uh, case exactly. Studies. That and Destiny, so, but, and they both operate kind of the same. I would be interested yeah, in one and, day and you Destiny's saying... Destiny's one that they brought in, but right, considering sure. that Bungie's leading it, it is still a reasonable thing to look at that and say, well, okay, well, what about Bungie could extrapolate into a racing game or a baseball yeah. game? And how much of what's happening in MLB right now is because Bungie has given the team at Santa Monica, or San Diego, rather, uh, tips on how... Basically ideas in terms of concepts of how you make mm-hmm. games as a service work and then them finding ways to make that fit within their game in baseball. Yeah. And it's, it's funny cause this game doesn't have a season pass and I fucking wish it did. Like just <laughs> adding one more layer of season pass cards. Like I'm in, I'm in, I would be interested to see you try just to see your thoughts on it as someone who's done destiny and stuff like that be hard for you you don't play baseball or no baseball but i would be interested in seeing your take on the mechanics having gone through it you know i, I know it's probably different but i've never even like you know, I, I like fifa but i've never even messed with the um what do they call it golden team or whatever it's called gold yeah what is i don't called? i don't know i don't play fifa ultimate team whatever ultimate team yeah there is a there is a somewhat analog yeah in fifa but i've never interacted with it Get one one year. Get into Diamond Dynasty. I just want to see how you feel about it. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I yeah. Mean, let's it's, talk about the other game, <laughs> the, yeah. the other the other very gamey game that I know you've been playing. I just know uh, it deep in my soul. Yes, so it is Breath of our Tears of the Kingdom week, and I have been <laughs> crying in that kingdom, baby, because holy shit, Zelda's good. Zelda's so good. Okay, so quick sell because everyone else has been kind of talking to me about the changes and, and upsides and everything. Quick sell to me as someone that you know wasn't head over heels for Breath of the Wild. Would you think, from what you've played, that there is enough discernible differences that someone who, like me, who may not have been head over heels for Breath of the Wild but didn't absolutely hate it by any standard, do you think that there's something this game brings and changes or whatever to the table that is worth discussing to try and bring me in? Do you think that there's a reasonable way for you to sell us who are uh, not sold yet on the game? but not necessarily completely unwilling to hear you out. I think it's, it's hard because tears of the kingdom does everything. Breath of the wild does better. Mm -hmm. So does it do anything that breath of the wild didn't do at all? It has a better story. Um, it's certainly more I, I mean I haven't played Breath of the Wild in a while, but I think some of the new stuff that's been implemented in the game is makes makes just exploring that open world way more fun. Like I was telling one of my friends that you're supposed to go you can do this thing where you take a piece of metal and it slides down a ramp and then you just fly. And I did that like fifty times just because I thought it was cool. That I can because you control it by walking link around this piece of metal so you can dive it. If you walk forward, you can, you know, pop the nose up, you walk behind it, move left and right. But it's one of those things where, like, I honestly my honest answer, like I could tell you all the gameplay improvements and how it, it makes me feel joy like a child and all of this stuff. But my honest opinion is like I kind of would almost rather you not play it. <laughs> Why is that? Because I, because I don't, if I don't like it, you don't want to hear the you yeah. don't want to hear someone exp- expressing what they thought wasn't good enough about. Yeah, because it, and I, I'm not trying to call you out. I understand people have taste. I didn't like Red Dead Redemption for a long time, but I sure. genuinely yeah. don't understand why you wouldn't like Breath of the Wild. Like you could explain it to me, and I would probably have a retort in my head for everything you'd say, and then we would just leave the conversation with me being frustrated and confused. And you being frustrated because I'm not willing to have a reasonable conversation with you. But the reality is that there is no logical thing. There is nothing about Breath of the Wild and especially Tears of the Kingdom where you could tell me is a flaw and I would believe you. Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are perfect video games. And there is legitimately no argument that they're not in my head. So that's why yeah, like, I, I wouldn't sit here the, and give you reasons because you're just going to come back and you're going to be like, oh, I didn't love it that much. It wasn't that great. And you're going to move on and it's going to piss me off because I won't understand could be the case. it. Could not. It's not even you know, that, it's not even that you're not you... allowed to not like it. It's that as someone who legitimately believes it's perfect, and I know it's perfect. I don't need you to tell me it's perfect. I just wouldn't be able to 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 logically come to terms with the fact that you're like, yeah, I don't like it. So I, there, there's no, it's hard to really give you this reason is why it's better. This reason is why it's better because it's it's all better, but it's also better. Breath of the Wild. So d- I understand where you're coming from because I think 
you can tell me whether or not you think this is a, a fair comparison. Sure. I think that you feel the way about Nier Automata that I do about Breath of the Wild in terms of I don't think you absolutely hate Nier Automata, but you don't also love it or get it. Do you think that's a, a relatively fair comparison? There's degrees, as there is with all things, but do you think it's at least a decent starting point? To make you because my my side would be my my exact argument would be what you just said. I do not understand how you can play near automata and find anything wrong with it. It is a perfect game. Yeah, sure. And, and, And like you said, at some point the conversation becomes pointless because you feel the way you do, and there's nothing unvalid about the way that you feel about the game. You are allowed to feel the way that you felt while playing the game. It's just confusing when you can't even begin to grasp or understand why someone would feel that way. Whereas sometimes you play a game and you can go, okay, I can see why someone wouldn't like this. Like, you know, I could see this particular element. I can look at Red Dead and be like, even though one of the things I like most about Red Dead 2 that Red Dead 1 didn't have is how simulator-like it is. I love that. And I can absolutely understand why someone would go from Red Dead 1 to Red Dead 2 and be like, bro, what the fuck did they do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it's i don't know because i think i i think it i guess the difference between near and zelda is that i think if you looked inward at what i was actually what i actually criticized about that game which is mostly the gameplay and i think it's ugly which is just true it's an ugly game um i don't i can't look deep in myself and even uh, and even be like, yeah, I could see that, and that's oh, that. I, I can't that, see where you're coming from gameplay wise at all. The game is the gameplay wise. Near Tom is excellent. If you would mm-hmm. want to consider a flaw, the fact that it tries to allow multiple, it, it pretty much tries to allow people to play it. So I guess the argument would be that you can play the game in a way that's boring, which is exactly what you did. But uh-huh. if the game didn't choose to include that. And you have to go out of your way to do that. Uh, the game doesn't automatically do it for you. Then there's nothing wrong with Nier Automata from a gameplay standpoint. The game is amazing, very fun. Uh, the perfect balance of challenge and skill, but not being overbearing in any way. So, you know, I guess I, I'll give you that. You can call it a flaw, but it's a flaw that you have to push yourself to interact with. You know, so. I, it's yeah. kind of hard for me to want to look at it in a, in a truly negative sense. That'd be like me saying that Horizon Forbidden West is worse for having accessibility options. <laughs> and that's not really true if we're being honest. Like The game is not worse because it allows more people to play it by accommodating them. I, get, I, I just think the biggest, the biggest compliment that I can give to Zelda is that as someone who loves it, I couldn't ever understand not liking it and there's stuff that it does where i playing breath of the wild one of the things i really thought about was sony and microsoft could never do this and sony and microsoft don't have the talent to do this and that's 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 crazy and talent's the wrong word it's not the talent but you know let's let's I'll, i'll bring it back a little bit i'll tone tone my my rhetoric down a bit but I think like what your big worry one of the big things you've expressed a worry about with Spider-Man is using the same map, right? Mm-hmm. This game alone proves that that shouldn't be a worry. The worry should be what the developers are going to do with the map. With that map. 
Yes, and that is my worry, and it's because it's New York, and the value of New York comes from how recognizable it is. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love to be proven wrong in that the way that they choose to make the game more interesting and unique. Let me say this. I'm clearly not unfounded because Miles Morales' map is the exact same. And because of such, because of that, it's more boring. Like, Miles Morales is a great game, and it could have been even better if it wasn't the exact same city I just did. And why would they not do that for two? Because it is New York. You can change little pockets and little things, but at the end of the day, it is the city that they've created, and it's their world. And I think that there is more going on in Zelda's lore right now within that game. We're spending way too much time on this, by the way. I'm not, <laughs> but yes, I get where you're coming from. But from what I understand, even though the map has got like touchstones of things that you can be familiar with, it sounds more like what Far Cry 5 and New Dawn are, where New Dawn is Far Cry 5's map with topography that's changed so much that you can find points where you're like, oh, I recognize this. Oh, I, that, there, there's a landmark. But then everything else, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> everything else around that, <coughs> damn it, is changed enough to where it, it feels familiar yet new. Mm. I don't know that. And I don't know how much you agree I with that. I don't know. And, I, and of course, it doesn't hurt that they have an entire upper and lower segment that was not in Breath of the Wild at all. Right. So you have mixture of truly new mixed with... I, familiar but changed the biggest thing about that map is i don't even know that it's changed all that much because i think at base level it's still hyrule um with and there's some definitely some differences i'm not going to spoil them but sure um again i I don't know if you played new dawn but i think far cry 5 to new dawn is a really good comparison point i didn't like new dawn so um i'm only talking about map I, I mean, I didn't play enough to have seen any of the like oh there's that touchstone but i think the thing here is the six years they spent making this game was clearly made. They spent six years on mechanics. Sure. And that's the coolest shit I've ever heard in my life. The fact that I could, I could spend an hour building a car just to see if I could. And then it worked. It's like, this is, this is great. Like that's one of those things where I'd almost say that you might enjoy this one more because you like things like the forest. Right. I was going to say that my my quick sell for myself on it is that um, Breath of the Wild doesn't have crafting. Yeah. You know, it's got like manipulating things and interacting with things, but it doesn't really have crafting. And since Breath of the Wild's come out, I've gotten really into survival games, which do a lot with crafting. And mm-hmm. a lot of those survival games, I spend a lot of time figuring out how to craft cool stuff within that, but then also using those crafted things to help my gameplay loop, which is exactly yeah. what Zelda is going for. So I can actually already see a better touchstone for me with this game in terms of what I like in other games. But I also think that if someone were to look me dead in the face and say like, that's cool and all. And I, and it's even good, but it's not what I'm looking for out of a Zelda game. It sounds like it's a completely reasonable sentence because it, this was, these weren't things in other Zelda games. So it's just a, and that's where it's not a flaw. It's something that doesn't align with your sensibilities. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's going to be those segments I don't like sure. any other Zelda games but Breath of the Wild and this one. So Yeah, which I think is a good <laughs> thing when you're talking about Breath of the Wild. And there's a lot of people that feel that way, and there's a lot of people that like both. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the conversation gets really muddy with people who are like you, where you go, I can't see anything wrong with Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. And it's not that there's something wrong with the game itself. 
it's that there's something that people look at and go, this IP that I've recognized and has been mostly this, uh, similar enough but new enough for the last 30 years to continue to make new entries that are compelling suddenly completely changed the game. And it's not that that's bad. It's just I don't recognize the IP, and therefore the flaw is that I can't recognize the touchstones within these new things. And I'm using that for other people who I think have far more uh, strong arguments about why they feel a certain way about Breath of the Wild, uh, whereas mine was I just got bored after 25 hours, and that's really enough for me to not be excited for Tears of the Kingdom because the game that it's directly following up is one that I quit playing and didn't beat. Yeah, but at the same time, you played it for 25 hours, so I kind of feel yeah. like you clearly liked it, and it wore off. And I wouldn't hate that that conversation. Nope. Weird, weird thing to say. I, I won't say nope entirely, but about 15 of that 25 was me trying to be like, there's, there's got to be something here. Like, the first day I played it and, like, docked my Switch and pulled it out, I was just kind of like, Oh, like you're it, the fun part of it was I was playing a game with the Switch's stick, and it was like, oh, cool, I'm docking it. Mm. But once that kind of wore off, it was like, okay, well, the game is not really pulling me in on its own yet, but maybe it'll get there, you know, maybe it'll get there. And then I just kind of kept going and kept going. And then eventually I hit that point where I was like, okay, maybe I can just play through the story, and the story will give me the gratification that I want. And then I got to the third sacred beast because, like, in between the second and third Sacred Beast, I just I was like, maybe the exploration is worth trying again. And so I was like, I'm gonna try and find a lot of hearts so I can pull the master sword. And I got bored of that. So I was like, I'm gonna go back and fight the sacred beast and maybe the story will pull me. And then I got bored of that and I just kind of quit playing one day and I never picked it back up. Oh that's basically what it was. Well listen, but who knows? I would maybe it was a wrong day, place, wrong time. Maybe. I would one day like to hear about your opinions with Breath of the Wild, if they're good. <laughs> but until you pray, play Breath of the Wild, Brett, what have you What have you been playing? I've played... I don't know if you remember last week, I made some weird reference to something being the Lego movie of video games. And then that made me think of the Lego movie. And then I saw it and I thought, I've never played the Lego, a Lego game. I'm going to play the Lego movie video game. And so I got the platinum in that this week. Nice. Um as always, I made it way harder on myself by upside platinum that you can get without following gods. I always love those types of games. There's no need for a god anywhere in this. But I could have made it far easier on myself by following one if I chose to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I spent 25 hours on that game, and I don't know how long it's supposed to take to platinum, but I basically had to play through the game like at least twice. But considering I had to replay multiple levels because of the way some challenges combat each other like you can't do them in a stacked on a run anyway so most levels i played like five times minimum <laughs> so uh that and then i started late yesterday um i played just ignore them the the stronger Rattalika game they put out and uh one of our patrons um tt dog had um, mentioned that My Big Sister, which is another game from them, was really good. And so I started it, a uh, little point-and-click adventure-style game where you kind of move around. A uh, little more puzzle-driven than Just Ignore Them was. A little more interesting finding the solution to weird things and moving forward. I'm not super far into it. Maybe three chapters. I don't know how long it is. Um, I imagine it's probably not too long. But having a good time there. That's about it. Wow. All right, man. I have been de- debating if, when, how all that to Jedi survivor. <laughs> yeah. It just sits there and I'm like, eh, 
do I really want to play my PS5 right now? Which is a, I don't know. You know, there's a, there's a weird conversation to have around there. But you know what we can do, Chris? We can look to our fans and to our listeners to and to that brilliant community, and we can get their thoughts on this week's Community's Take. So if you are new to the show, the Community's Take is where we look at something, either a question that was asked to us in the previous episode or something we talked about, um, and we kind of repurpose it, reframe it to ask to you guys in the community so that we can get your feedback. You know, what do you think about something that's going on? Do you have a differing opinion that can push back against ours? Give us a new point of view, a new perspective. Uh, And we do that by taking a question. We always shout it out at the end of the episode, but then before we record, we, you know, about two days prior, we'll hit all of our social media. So that's Twitter at triangle SQRD Facebook. We have a group, which is triangle square to PlayStation podcast. You can be entered into, and we have a discord that we have linked in the description below. And we reach out, we have dedicated little sections for all of this, and we say, you know, here's a community state question. Give us your feedback. Uh, this week's actually came from one of our listeners, Savoy Prime, uh, over on Twitter. And he was talking about, as we got the revelation of the potential May 26th week um, Sony showcase, that we might, you know, what do we want to see there? So he asked if the Sony showcase really is going down the week of May 26th, what do you do? Uh, what do you hope to see during the event? Uh, and I always like to give their answers out first. So as a voice prime, he says, Pragmata has got to finally make an appearance, right? Right? Right. You would think that game would show up eventually. Um, if you remember who the publisher is, do you remember? It's Capcom. Yeah, Capcom. So Cap is in the name. So they like them. They've been um, capping so think, about the release. <laughs> they've been it? capping. No, dumb jokes aside, do you remember who the publisher on Deep Down was? Capcom. Oh, look at there. Do you know the, what the through line between Deep Down and Pragmata is? Same developer. Uh, they were both announced as part of a PlayStation launch lineup <laughs> showcase. Mm. Um and never materialized. <laughs> so do with that what you will. But all I have to say is uh, deep down, we'd like to have a word with anyone who's hoping to see Pragmata. Jokes are like re- being realistic. I hope we do see it because I hate when games get shown and then just never become anything. It's always sad. And I think a lot of people build up hype for years of games that they never get to play. Uh, Rockstar and Agent is still talked about to this day. Because you build people up and they just, they eventually want to maybe see. And then the other part of that is a lot of these games do eventually come out. Do you know how long it took the original Prey to come out? Forever. Duke Nukem Forever took forever to come out. That's why it was called Duke Nukem Forever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We, of course, got The Last Guardian. Fantastic game. Took forever to come out from when it was initially shown. Uh, Final Fantasy Versus 13 somehow morphed into those characters with a completely new and not connected at all story. And Final Fantasy 15 took forever to come out. Mm -hmm. So we get fooled just enough by the games industry to believe that if you wish and believe and hope in your heart of hearts long enough, that you will eventually see all games. But I don't think we're going to see deep down. And there's a small but severely realistic chance that Pragmata joins that. I think we're going to see deep down. I would push push against that a little bit. I think it's going to have a different name. But I think we'll see it. Mm. Mm. Do you think deep down just became Pragmata? No, I think it's <laughs> Dragon's Dogma too. I could see that. Though I... 
I don't know if that would just be like, hey, we're going to use assets from this and just rework a new scenario around them. I mean, and then at that it, point, is it really the same game? Because I don't know if you remember Deep Down's shtick. It was supposed to be kind of like Assassin's Creed inspired, where like it was. I might be a little wrong. It's been a while since I've really thought about it, but I think it was supposed to be like you would touch like items from historical points would be like touched and you'd go back and relive aspects of that. So kind of like the animus thing. I don't know. I don't remember much about it. I don't know how you would bring that. If I am remembering correctly into something else. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe speaking of Capcom, there's another uh, little wish list item here from Velvet Thunder, one of our patrons. Uh, he says, Dino Crisis Remake, my default answer to any question about video games I want. Good luck. So what this tells me is that that weird dinosaur game that I'm completely skipping on the game. Exoprimal, <laughs> Exo thank you. Exoprimal is not enough for you, Velvet. And I, I understand. It's got a redhead in it, too. It does have a redhead. They knew what they were doing with that trailer. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. TT Dog six six six, another patron. He says that the Kotor remake, so Knights of the Old Republic, is back on track. If you remember, they had some development issues. They paused development at certain points. Yeah, uh, moved their timeline out because it wasn't where they thought it needed to be. Uh, he says after the goody goody nature of Jedi Survivor, I want to go full Sith Lord, uh, which is fair. I really miss the Star Wars games that would be like, we're going to let you choose how you go about the Force. Yeah, I would take some of those. I, I like Knights of the Old Republic, but every time I've tried to play it recently, it's not clicked. That's a nice way of saying it. So um, yeah. I do want Great this game. remake to come out. I am of the same mind as a lot of people where uh, the best parts of uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 outshine KOTOR 1, but KOTOR 2 has got enough things from being rushed that I can completely understand why people may not think it's the better of the two games. But yeah, I'm really excited to see this come through because I have kind of personally moved on from the combat stylings of the original Knights of the Old Republic, and it sounded like the remake was going to try and Final Fantasy VII remake it a bit to where there's touchstones of that but then there's still real time kind of weaved in within it. And I love that. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake's combat choice was a real smart thing. Uh, let's see. We got Rude Cold, one of our patrons. He says, Bloodborne Remake or Bloodborne 2, please. Chris, tell him. Is he going to see it? Yeah, 100%. I would have believed you be ready. if it wasn't for this week. If it wasn't this week, I would have believed you. <laughs> but you've really shaken my faith in you. We'll talk Ooh, about yeah. that in a little bit. <laughs> oh, boy. Jehudi MD, another one of our patrons, says, My brain, stay quiet and concentrate on marketing the upcoming exclusives, Spider-Man 2, Final Fantasy 16. My heart, go all crazy and give a megaton showcase with Bloodborne 2, Metagross Solid 3 Remake, and Castlevania. Naughty Dog should come out with their project or projects at this point in time. I really hope for a new IP. Give The Last of Us a rest for a bit and don't horizon it. I have to take a second here. We have to go on a small tangent because there's a real conversation to have here. We've been part of it, so I understand where we are in the thing of there. We've had a lot of speculation because of all the Horizon projects we heard about that there will be a sense that it's being milked or overused and that it may come at the cost of quality. 
But if we're being honest with the reality of where things are right now, uh, since PSVR 2 has come out, we're three Horizon games deep, two mainline, one spinoff in a six-year period. I think we've got to be fair and say that even though Chris and I talked about the feeling that by learning about this all at once, it kind of gives your brain that like, whoa, that's a lot. Got to slow down. But we used to see this kind of cadence back on the PS3. So what I actually said is I think that as we age and time changes for us and our time for gaming changes along with our job responsibilities and maybe familial responsibilities – and then the fact that games take so much longer and so our expectation on how often we see them and everything starts to change. I don't think anyone considered Uncharted to be a milked franchise when five Uncharted games, that's not even counting the weird PS Vita card game that they developed. Uh, so we're Fortune. talking, yeah, Five for Fortune. So we're talking Uncharted 1, 2, 3, Golden Abyss, and 4. All of those games came out in like eight-year period. And I don't think anybody was like, Uncharted's getting milked. And yet, two, guess technically three Horizon games come out in that, and we start to have that feeling. But I think part of that's exacerbated by the way news is coming out. We're not supposed to know about some of these Horizon projects, and yet we do. And so, learning about four upcoming Horizon games at the time that we originally said this, before VR was coming out, it felt like... So Horizon VR, Horizon MMO, Horizon multiplayer game, next Horizon game, it does feel overwhelming. Chris, do you think that that's a relatively fair way to come back to this? Because even we, whether we intended for it or not, had a somewhat overly negative look of what we were talking about. We were talking about being cautionary, but I think it's fair to say Horizon's not been milked yet. And there's not really a reasonable argument to say that something can be Horizoned when we've had less Horizon games in a similar period as we saw with Uncharted. What do you think? I think if all these games come out, then yeah, it's being milked. I think the difference is that, again, the point I was making, which for all I know was misconstrued, was not that if, if Horizon 1, 2, and 3 all came out within five years, I would be fine. Let's go with mm-hmm. Uncharted, uh, Horizon 1, 2, 3, and 4. Right. Sure. My okay. problem is not is that these are not mainline games. So what you're doing is you're taking a a game, you're shoehorning, you're shoehorning gameplay into that world, and instead of making new IP. And I, I get what you're saying. So you're saying it's being milked it. because you're trying to stretch it into genres that may not right. support it. Rather, that's what I'm, that's what I was trying to say, and that's what I'm saying now is that rather than taking a risk and doing a new IP, you're saying, "Fuck it, give it Horizon," and that's not inherently a bad thing, right? That's so that you that can be that doesn't me saying it's being milked does not mean any of these games are going to be bad, but I think rather than you're going to the well, well over and over again, trying to stretch Horizon into an MMO, into a Monster Hunter type game, which I will give it credit. Monster Hunter, a Monster Hunter type game with Horizon is probably the best option. But yeah. again, like I said, why isn't that NCSoft MMO something new? Why? So is I it- would give you this. I agree with you. And my only pushback would be that. If all the games come out and there's no quality issues, all of them reach that Sony level and that Sony bar, 
and all of them are genuinely good games, at least to the same quality that people who are fans of Horizon should expect. I don't know that I'd consider that. I think Milked inherently carries a negative connotation, whether it should or shouldn't is a different conversation. But I think it's fair to say that it inherently carries some sense of negativity. And I think that it's more reasonable to say something's being milked if you start seeing these products. And like you said, they're stretching this IP to something that doesn't immediately make sense for it, maybe. But if they do it and it's successful and it comes out and it succeeds at being moved into that genre... I don't think any negative connotation should really come into it. I don't think it's being milked. But now, say the Horizon MMO comes out, the Horizon multiplayer game comes out, and you know all these different genre changes for it don't do well, then it's reasonable to say that you stretched an IP to try and make a game that just didn't hit marks instead of doing something new. You, do you get I, where I'm coming from? Yeah, but I don't think I agree with it. I think that's the okay, bigger that's thing. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because I... Again, just because something's being milked doesn't mean it's bad. You know, I don't want to get on a tangent, I, but the MCU yeah, is you, being milked. You were right. And for 20, 10 years of it wasn't a big issue, right? So now we're having this thing where it's Horizon can keep coming out and we can keep doing that, and that's fine. Yep. But there's no diversity there. It's all Horizon. It's all be, it's all, The milk's all coming from one cow. So it's being milked. <laughs> Yeah, but I get what you're saying. I think you're this is clearly sh- semantics. Yeah, it, it's, well, I, it's coming down to whether or not, and I don't think you're wrong. It's just whether or not milking. I'm choosing to look at. I don't ever see milking used in anything but a derogatory or negative manner. And so I think it's fair to look at it and say, "Well, that sounds like something bad." You're right, though. If we're being, if we're looking at the word for what it means, you are creating multiple things from this one IP. All the milk's coming from the same Horizon cow. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. That's a fair way to look at it. Because it's just, look, all these things. I, I, my argument has always just been, why isn't this something different, or why isn't this something old? Doesn't that NC Soft, you know, think of it taking place in the Killzone universe, right? And it's not this big, you know, you're not the main guy, but you're just a dude in the Killzone universe doing MMO shit, you know. that's milking Killzone, but Killzone's not a successful franchise. So I just think Our we're currently successful franchise. Yeah. I mean, arguably never was, but I think it was successful, but it would, its numbers would not be successful by what Sony has shifted successful to mean within that. That's company. more, that's more what I mean. So yeah, my point it's not is successful not that, by today's metrics. Yes. <laughs> my point is not that these shouldn't come out or they shouldn't be horizon games. My point is that it's a lot more interesting if they're something else. I'm not inherently excited for horizon. That doesn't just be, yeah, I don't like the franchise, necessarily but that doesn't mean that i wouldn't give these games a chance i just think you know we talk about the game sony's making and sony makes all the same games and blah 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 blah, and then they're literally making all the same games and i'm getting yelled at for saying let's make something new (laughs) (laughs) so let's shift this conversation for a second and actually kind of look at this in a different sense so you can also look at this and think okay Naughty Dog for the last 10 years have only worked on two IP, both of them IP that existed in the prior 10 years. Well, The Last of Us is a little different. But point being is that they've been in a very similar window for a 10-year period. And so you could look at that by going, give it a rest and don't just stay on one IP for a long period of time or one type of IP 
for a long time. So if you look at that and you say don't horizon it and you say the same thing, like the fear is that Gorilla is going to only work on horizon and not flex themselves enough to give some variety. What do you agree with that take? Or do you agree with just wanting to see Naughty Dog do something that's just so tonally? We talked about it a little bit last week, but do you think it's reasonable to have someone say like, hey, I think that Uncharted and The Last of Us are great, and I also want to see Naughty Dog do something so tonally different that I don't recognize it? It's a hard question because my maybe the answer is almost hypocritical, but I would almost rather Naughty Dog just finishes her uh, Last of Us because clearly there's got to be a third game, right? Clearly there's a third game coming. So I would rather they just finish it, and that's strictly because they do a new IP that comes out in 2025. That means I'm waiting for The Last of Us to be announced in 2030, to get delayed to 2032, to finally release in 2033, right? So I'm at the point with Naughty Dog, where I'm like, nah, just give me that shit right now so I can see the ending before I die. <laughs> fair. Okay. Um, so that's my yeah, answer for fair that. Fair point. All right, last one we have here, Josh Ayers, another patron, longtime listener. He says, expectations, Bloodborne 2, Blue Point, Factions 2 from Naughty Dog. We don't know what the wording is, what the actual name is. So yeah, let's call it Factions 2. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima PC release later this year. Ghost of Tsushima 2 call. with a 2024 splash screen. Final Fantasy 16 demo. Metal Gear Solid 3 remake with XDev being involved. Final Fantasy Tactics remaster. There are a few more, but I'll leave it at that for now. I think this is actually a pretty solid list. I think my biggest issue is that we already know who's making Metal Gear Solid 3. So... It wouldn't be XDev. It's virtuous. So, well, but that doesn't mean that if it's if it's working in an exclusive uh, capacity, then XDev could still be working alongside virtuous. Sure, like, I'm just that's looking, usually what PlayStation does. I'm just looking at the way he set up. You know, Bloodborne Two from Bluepoint, Factions from Naughty Dog. The way I'm reading this is Metal Gear Solid uh, yeah. Three from XDev, which we've already know through reports, leaks, and job listings. That Virtuos is making this game. So well, and XDev XDev never make games. They support. They, it's external development. It's like they they don't. Uh, as far as I'm aware, and I'd love to get proven wrong if that is the case, but I don't think that there's an example of XDev shipping a game in and of themselves. They are meant to be a support studio and capacity and work with developers to get the games up. Kind of like how uh, Japan Studio was the XDev support for, yeah, for sure. um Blood for. Burn. Demon Souls and Bloodborne. Yeah. So, insofar as that's going on, yeah, I think that he's looking at where Sony's first party interacts with all of these. Blue Point's first party, Naughty Dog's first party. So, of course, we know that Sucker Punch is first party. Final Fantasy 16 is, it, if you notice, he didn't put it beside there because it's not a first party. So, I could see that. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Remaster, that's, that's pulling from that old GeForce Now leak, <laughs> uh, which has proved time and again to be true. Yeah. <laughs> so, when do you think we see the Final Fantasy Suck 9 remake? <laughs> <laughs> he was adamant and i adamant. think it's reasonable to say now that the geforce now leak was clearly something it doesn't it mean a- we'll see everything from it but we've seen enough to there that's a there's smoke and fire there has to be yeah you know it's just yeah yeah i just i, I love it, that because all the sony games on there were right and that was his big sticking point sony wouldn't do this and then every single one that's on that leak has come through so it's like yeah yeah right. I get the thought process, though. You know, at the time, 100%. Sony wasn't as into everything. But, yeah, it just seemed... 
I'll give him enough credit to go that I could see at the time the list both looking completely reasonable and possibly real, which I think now I think it's hard to deny that it's not real. And also looking like a list that someone who just really has their finger on the social media pulse was like, I know enough wrenches to throw in this to really make people be like, whoa, you know, the the craziest one was Titanfall three being the one where I'm like, I don't know if this is real because Titanfall three is clearly not coming. And then what, three years later, we found out that Titanfall three was almost done and then they canceled it all. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the Apex thing, but yeah, sure. All right, we are going to move away from the community's take. Remember, if you want to be part of that, we always post it on our social media. Again, that's Triangle Squared on Twitter, at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook. That group is Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. And if you are listening or watching, be it on YouTube or podcast services, head into the description, click on that Discord link, come join us for our day-to-day talk. Just like one of the new users we have, who I'm, I'm probably going to butcher his name in here, but we've got a new guy who's joined us, and his name is... Rimla, what is it? Let me not lie here. Do, 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 do. Either way, we've had some recent people join us. Um, so yeah, come join them. Rimlos Loon. I don't know what that means, but it's a cool sounding name. Um, let's see. If you are listening on podcast services and you like what we're doing here, take a second, if you wouldn't mind, to rate the show if it allows you to do so. Let people know if you think we are worth their time. And if it lets you review, we would love to hear your thoughts about the show, what we can do to improve it, what you love about it. Uh, and of course, we like talking with all of our community. So we always like to throw people in a Discord because it's an easy way for us to be part of a day-to-day conversation that we can hop in and out of as all of us can, not only just Chris and I with our very different schedules that are hopefully changing soon. But, you know, that is, uh, that is, that is life. So <laughs> moving along, I think we're going to jump into news. Uh, and with the news, the very first thing is very simple. May's PlayStation Plus catalog and classic titles are available right now as you listen to this. The list of added games is highlighted by Humanity, Watch Dogs, Legion, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, as well as on the classic side, PSP bangers such as Pursuit Force and Siphon Filter Logan Shadow, uh, which means that all of the Siphon Filter games now are on the PS Plus uh, Classic. So PS Plus Premium Tier. So, Brett, I want to put this out there again because I've said this multiple times, but I'd like it to be very clear. The conspicuous timing of the final Siphon Filter game coming out a couple weeks before a supposed PlayStation showcase. (laughs) I've said that Siphon Filter is coming back based off these releases. But this is confirmation. Full-on confirmation. Someone is making Siphon Filter 5. Who? Who do you think? Do you think it's Bend? The reason I would question Bend is because they, they've said that they're working on a new IP. Now, I'll give you this much. John Garvin was asked whether he would ever want to make another Siphon Filter, and he said no because he feels like he, as the person who led those games, explored everything he'd want to explore, and games as a whole has explored the rest of what Siphon Filter didn't, so he wouldn't know how to make a compelling enough game to justify its existence. Uh, if someone else kind of disagrees with that, I could see that world coming back. But I don't have a who? good answer, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Okay? They were supposedly working on an Uncharted game. It seems to have gone by the wayside. So I'm going to put my money and my predictive power behind Siphon Filter. No number. It's a reboot. 
coming from Sony San Diego. San Diego. Interesting. I was wondering if you were going to say visual arts. Nope. Sony San Diego. Mm. I know it's not true, but that's the only studio I can see who might have the time. I'll tell you this. Sony San Diego is the only studio that right now we are entirely sure has a second studio. I might be wrong on that, but they are the only studio that has not put out a product other than MLB The Show in the last 10 years. Yeah. Now they've uh, they've ex devved drawn to you know, drawn to death and uh, no, Santa Monica kill strain. That was Santa Monica, you're right. But no, drawn, drawn to death, death was been. Santa Monica. But kill kill strain was uh, yeah. Kill strain and one other game was San Diego, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know about the other game. I know that because Jaffe was talking about it the other day on a podcast I was listening to. So it was definitely Santa Monica. Mm, gotcha. All right. Well. Yeah, that one's interesting. Uh, also, just to be clear, this is the PS Plus. Um, what is it? What's the middle tier? <laughs> I don't even remember anymore. No. No, Essential is bottom tier. Extra. 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 Yeah, this is extra and premium. Of course, the Essential games have already given out. Um, but this is a really good list. There's been a conversation going around online about, which I think is a little bit of a, a weird thing, but it's also naturally going to happen, about PlayStation Plus being better than Game Pass, which has been a really I, interesting standpoint because the value it. between those two things are so different. <laughs> so, quick. It was Kill Strain and Guns Up. Guns up. That was a, and then, I couldn't remember the name of. I don't want to hear it. Apparently, they did also work on Drawn to Death, but I'm positive. Ah, he, but I'm 100% positive he made that out of Sony's uh, Santa Monica. Well, so I mean, he they might have done work on it. So Bartlett Jones fucking detective agency, whatever the weird studio name was. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that was the studio that made Drawn to Death. That was uh, Jaffe's new studio. Oh, hold on. Bartlett Jones Detective Agency. I'm telling you, it's it's so close to that, if not the Bartlett Jones Supernatural Detective Agency. That was the name of his uh, now defunct studio. Rip. Yes. D- Jaffe is nothing if not eccentric. That is certainly a word for him. That is, that is a, I, I like Jaffe most of the time. I think he's a very interesting person, whether or not I agree with some of the things he does or says. Yeah. But uh, moving on, we have a question that I kind of wanted to slot in there. So we're talking about all these PlayStation classics, right? Coming off of what's going to happen at the the showcase and, you know, looking at some of these PSP classics joining us and Siphon Filter and Ratchet and Clank and all these different things. Rude Days 93 comes in one of our patrons who so graciously went to patreon.com slash Nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month to support the show as he's been doing for a long time. Thank you, Rudez. He says, so arguably, Nathan Drake was the face and mascot of the majority of the PS3 and PS4 generations. So who do you see being the face after this gen? And who would you want to become the face? Now, I'm going to take this as meaning PS5, but he also could mean PS6. Um, so I guess wrinkle in the question that I'm going to kind of add do you think that there is a marquee mascot for PS5, or do you think cross-gen has kind of kept that from really happening? I mean, I think there's clearly a mascot Sony wants, and it's it's Aloy, right? Mm-hmm. Think of anyone. If Uncharted's dead for now, at least with Drake, right? So 
clearly they're going yeah, so to it can't be Nathan anymore. Yeah. Okay. So that's who you think or you would consider to be. I, I would say it's arguably trying to be between them, but Kratos has been a consistent. He's he's been a PS2 mascot, PS3 mascot, PS4 mascot, PS5. Look, if you want to look across ten games, here's my hottest take: uh, mascots in gaming don't exist anymore. It, it's not a thing. You don't think Mario's still a mascot? Mascots don't exist in consoles and game spaces other than Nintendo. You don't think that Sonic is a mascot for Sega? Now, you may mean mascots in terms of manufacturer, console manufacturers. Clearly, That's Sega's what I not mean. one anymore. Yes. Yeah. But I would also say that Sonic is probably not really a mascot anymore. Sonic is definitely a mascot for Sega. He is the thing that all people know Sega for. You think so? I don't know that I would agree with that anymore. Dude. I think Sega's dude. diversified enough. Dude, first of all, let me explain to you real quick. They they hop the numbers up quite a bit, but because they also have been including free game downloads, which still is technically people p- playing Sonic games. But Sonic as a franchise is over one billion. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying that it was never the mascot. I'm saying that now. I don't mean that. I'm saying that you're not getting to a one billion without the last ten years of gaming counting. Sure. You can't look at the Sega Genesis and think, well, that's why he was important. I think there's something to really be said about Sonic's staying power, even when he's had mediocre games. The only Sonic game that's truly (laughs) underperformed for them was Sonic Forces. Look, if we're going sales, Joker is the Sega mascot. So, like, I don't, like... In 2023, oh, it's per- Joker. Persona, Persona wishes it was as popular as Sonic. All I Sonic wish Fr- they were as Sonic, popular as Sonic. Sonic Frontier sold 2.5 million. Persona 5 sold 8.3 million copies. If if anything, the tide is shifting, and it is no longer Sonic. Sonic Look, is a very popular character, and he definitely is, was the mascot for Sega. The problem comes Sega down to you, you talk about Joker, but unless Joker is going to be in the next Persona game, which would be a huge shift up for that series, then Joker is not going to matter once the next Persona but comes. you're missing my they, point. You know, my point is that I get current Sega, if we're, again, if sales are the, the end-all, be-all metric, then it's Joker mm-hmm. because current Sega, more people know for Persona than Sonic Frontiers. Yeah. I don't know, though, because you're, then you're not, ta- you're not accounting for, which this is arguably about how does this interact with games? So I think it clearly still does. And also we're talking about as a mascot for Sega and Sega exists as a company out, even outside of games. Um, so you're completely writing off of the movies and the very popular Netflix series. You get what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. you might, you might be right on the gaming side. Yeah, you I'm might be right that mascots. if you look at that on the gaming side, but say Sonic is still a gaming mascot, regardless of whether or not that's the only thing he's a mascot. Well, for. but then, but look, but they, you can it, lose we, the forest for the trees in this. We're get, in yes, we're getting it. You're getting in the weeds, but yes. then at that point, Nathan Drake is still the mascot for Sony because Tom Holland is now Nathan Drake. 
Yeah, I, I was actually so. about to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> because of my extension of the movie argument is that regardless of whether I think it was a good movie or not, uh, Uncharted was very successful as a movie. Yeah, I, I just don't think that mascots in the way that we think of them, which is like PlayStation 1 commercials with the Crash Bandicoot guy flipping off the Nintendo headquarters. That shit does not exist anymore. Glory days, though, just to throw oh, that out Oh, yeah, there. absolutely. Dude, I would love to see someone be ballsy enough to do that now actually perfect perfect commercial just because of how fucking crazy it would be people would rip it to shreds saying that it was fueling console wars but i just think it'd be really funny have a video of jim ryan walking this is a commercial jim ryan's walking in an airport you see him Mm -hmm. get on a plane you see him land and goes through the stuff and he's you know browsing his phone checking he gets into an uber right he starts going he pulls up in microsoft's (laughs) He pulls up in Microsoft's dry, you know, parking lot, and you just see the end of the commercial is him flipping off the the Microsoft <laughs> building, and that's it. That would be so fucking funny. I would love that commercial. Okay, I'm not gonna. I would be the person who would know. Like this is clearly taking the piss. This is a this is a joke that's made out of implication and in your own head, right? <laughs> but imagine that commercial, except it's a flight simulator commercial. <laughs> God, let's move on to the next topic. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that Sony, as far as they're trying to make one and a mascot, this is what I'd argue. I think mascots are most important children and they Mm -hmm. still exist insofar as children interact with gaming and how it's important to get children into your sphere as early as possible so that they grow up and then don't worry about mascots to the same degree. To that end, I think that there's an obvious and clear push for their mascot to be Astro, Astro. Boy or whatever, Astrobot. Astrobot, yeah. Yeah, I would agree I with that. I think that Astrobot. makes the most sense. It's the closest. Because my big thing, my big reasoning behind there's no such thing as mascots anymore is because we don't get mascot platformers. And if mascots, especially if you, if I agree, right, that mascots are more for children, Kratos can't be your fucking mascot. <laughs> yeah. Neither can Aloy, but and you definitely can look not at Kratos. Hey, but- if you look at what the purpose of a mascot is, you can still look at them and saying, and, and to be fair, he says mascot, but then he actually says, who do you want? Who do you see being the face after this gen? And that's maybe a better way to go. There is still such thing as the face of a company and something that's recognizable. And in gaming, it still makes sense for it to be something from one of your gaming IP and something that is clear and marked because like you can't use like Gran Turismo 7 is a is a pillar title for PlayStation or Gran Turismo is a pillar series for PlayStation and always has been but you can't really be like PlayStation and then just a picture of a car because it's too vague you can't really look at it and go yes that makes me think of PlayStation. You can't do that with Kratos. You can see Kratos and go yeah that makes me think of PlayStation. You can see Aloy because they're distinct enough. So if you look at it that way and say, okay, so mascot is more the term that I use for kids and how they carry stuff. And then I think if you go up, you look, who is the marketed face that Sony wants to rely on more so often than others for PlayStation in PS5? Right. Who, do you, who do you see it being? I, if there isn't already one in your opinion. Okay, I think Spider-Man my, clearly is a good example. My opinion, I think, is the hottest take of all. But I think the Sony, the face of Sony and the mascot is the sacred symbols, not the podcast, but X circle yeah, the, triangle. The actual, 
Yeah, the face. That's buttons. that's the face and the mascot for PlayStation. And then you know that they do that because that's the focal point of their opening, right? The mascot is PlayStation's mascot is PlayStation. And PlayStation being buffered by we've got God oh, of War. Symbology. We've got, we've yeah. got Ellie and Joel. We've got Aloy. We've got Drake. We've got I can't remember Silent Hill guy, man. But we've got Snake. You know, we've got we've got Pyramid a sport. No, the actual guy, James Sunderland. Oh, James, um, yeah. We've got a Ford GT7. We've got, you know, we. Th- that's what I think what they look at as their face is the face is PlayStation, the face is quality, the face is excellence. And that's that. I know that sounded like I was throating a PS5, right? Just deep throating of the PS5. But the reality is I think that's how Sony sees themselves. Right. I think that's super fair because if the reason that you're really onto something there is ABXY has mm-hmm. been obscured by too many gaming companies using it. Yeah. PlayStation is the only manufacturer that has gone out and made their own. And don't wrong, this is clearly something done a long time ago. But Sony have not changed the PlayStation logo. Sony have not changed the face buttons, and they have used them as consistent and clear imagery and symbology since PlayStation One. The only symbol that I can really say Sony has ever completely dumped is that gold double symbol that was at the booting of PS1 games. You know, Mm -hmm. the... The the triangle thing? Yeah, the the big uh, gold diamonds that are kind of... uh, It's weird. But that's like the only symbology I can think of that Sony has really let slip from them that I think people would still look at and go... That's that's PlayStation. It's the only one they don't still currently run. The PlayStation symbol is essentially unchanged since its beginning. And ABXY cannot be used in the same capacity for Microsoft or Nintendo because they're not distinct to the to those platforms. Yeah, Microsoft tries to shake it up by saying, well, we're going to switch ABXY to where they're in different positions. But you've kind of, you know, you've lost one of the things that Sony uses as its focal point. So, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's a and, and like you said, because of that, it's in all of their branding. They start their showcases and state of plays with the little swirls. When they showcase a when, when a game is booting up from PlayStation Studios, you see that little thing of the symbols coming through and showing the games within it. Yeah, yeah. You know, My dual sense sw- right here has a bunch of has squares. The buttons. It does. It yeah. does not have a bunch of little Ellies and Joels. So yeah, I'm, I'm going with the buttons. Yeah, that's a super fair point. Good, good find, Chris. Good, good thought. Thank you, thank you. Use use that little bad boy every now and then, don't you? I'm here. I'm here for a reason. <laughs> You're here for a reason. We're gonna talk about how you didn't use that. My, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna keep giving you shit about deviation. <laughs> oh God! Listen, all I can say is I've now got a collector's item. Right, that is a fair point. Yeah, if, in gaming antiquity, we, yeah. we will look back. <laughs> I'll put it in the all same right. shelf as my. Uh, my uh, stadia over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, too bad. It's, uh, too bad you've opened it. <laughs> I have know? not. It's an unopened stadia. I'm saying your deviation shirt. Oh yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. it'd be because is your stadia opened? No, it's not. See, I think it'd be so much fun to have a, a shelf full of now dead and quickly defunct gaming memorabilia that never oh. actually went anywhere. So I got that would be a really yeah. interesting shelf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sure, I could find an Ouya out there. In, in anyway, box Ouya? Why don't 
Ouya, read the next piece of news, yeah? <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking hate you. <laughs> Blizzard has ended development on the mode Overwatch 2 seemed built for. That is story and hero missions. When the game was announced, Blizzard said this. With Overwatch 2, we're building the cooperative, narrative-driven game experience that players have been asking for since the original and that we've wanted to make for a long time, said then-President J. Allen Brack. Quote, we're looking forward to telling the next chapter of this epic story in-game, and we're excited to give players a whole new kind of co-op experience built around progressing and customizing their favorite heroes. End quote. Fast forward to today when Blizzard announces on stream the ending of development on this portion of the game from executive producer Jared Neuse. Quote, with everything we've learned about what it takes to operate this game at the level that you deserve, it's clear that we can't deliver on the original vision for PVE that was shown in 2019. What that means is we won't go... We won't be delivering that dedicated hero mode with talent trees, that long-term power progression. Those things just aren't in our plans anymore. We know that this is going to be disappointing to many of you, which is why we wanted to bring it up before we talk about the roadmap. And to be perfectly honest, it's been really difficult for many of us and a lot of folks on the team who poured their heart and soul into that stuff, end quote. Um, This, at the end of the day, does not necessarily I don't know what they're going for here there's there's no way that this is not going to rock people's faith in blizzard to some degree mm-hmm. and the reason I bring that up is cuz I think it's really ridiculous <clears throat> to have a sentence that says with what we've learned about what it takes to operate a game at this level that you deserve is that you can't deliver on an individual PVE part that doesn't play into that. If that was the case, call of duty wouldn't be successfully doing it year in and year out. Yeah. I look, I think blizzard <laughs> at a much higher scale. Mind you, call of duty is far more popular mm-hmm. than, and, and don't be wrong. I know overwatch is a popular game. Great game, but it is shit on in terms of interaction numbers and monetary bring in compared to Call of Duty. So how does Call of Duty do it if Overwatch can't? I think we're at the point with Blizzard where next to BioWare, they're probably the single most overhyped and overvalued company in the gaming sphere. I would actually say more so than Bioware because I've never heard about Bioware driving someone to kill themselves over sexual harassment. So... Ooh, Blizzard is like thousands Ooh. of feet be- uh, below any other company in my respect for the company. And then every time I play a Blizzard game or I hear Blizzard talk about their own games or I hear the conversation around games like Diablo Immortal, and I'm like, why do people suck these guys off so much? And it's just because World of Warcraft. It has to yeah. be. Because Overwatch it's, is great, but it died. I died on the vine. Not, they let it's it not flounder. Entirely that. You're, you're, you're right, right? Right. World of Warcraft is not. Uh, no, I mean, what did you, you say? You said Starcraft or what? I'm sorry. Warcraft. I mostly pointed out Warcraft, but like Diablo, they they ride off the coattails of their past. Warcraft three, sure. World of Warcraft, Diablo two, and then the modern Blizzard does shit like Diablo Auction House. Yeah, for Diablo three, it does shit like ruining overwatch from one of the greatest pvp shooters i've ever played to a barren hey, auction wasteland. house was 
uh, auction house is cool as shit, by the way. I, I still, I think there's a way auction house could have worked in their respect of the rest. Auction house was not necessarily the problem. It just highlighted the other problems. Right. I think that auction house could have stayed. I just say I, I'm not mad that they gave it away because Diablo three ended up being a phenomenal, great game. Uh, and that's actually where I was coming in is Blizzard is one of those companies where the only I have not liked anything other than Diablo from them since Warcraft three, the original. I love Warcraft three fucking games. Awesome. Yeah, I think World Warcraft of Warcraft 3 is, is awesome. And think about boring, what modern my fucking Blizzard opinion, did, but, you know, where they they remastered World of Warcraft three or just Warcraft three. Apologies and fucking yeah. ruined it. <laughs> they took one of the greatest games of all time and shot it in the dick for no reason. I don't understand the obsession with with Blizzard. Overwatch is really fun. Well, Diablo it's, three it's those years of Diablo fine. and StarCraft and and you know it's it, you're right. It's it's the years of riding from their coattails of of things that were once massively popular when gaming was much smaller and much more nascent. Modern and, Blizzard, yeah. Overwatch it, is a, was a smash success. I've never understood it. I'm not saying Overwatch is a bad game because no, it's, it's not I love my Overwatch. type of game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I'm with you. Like when I look at Modern Blizzard, the only thing I can think of in the last ten years that I've cared about is Diablo three, and Diablo yeah. four is upcoming, and I do care about it. And Diablo four seems cool, but even yeah, just reading awesome. some of the, some of the stuff credit. around it, it's like I read an article. I think PC Gamer put it out where it's like none of the classes are fun to play, and it's like I. I'm at the point with Blizzard where taking out what they would have done before, if you if you look at modern Blizzard, they're on par with Platinum Games. All I'll say is, r- r- the rest of your statement, I, I don't have enough information because I don't play enough Blizzard games because they don't really pull me. Like, I didn't play Heroes of the Storm because I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I don't play World of Warcraft. I don't play Overwatch. What else have they really done? They haven't done StarCraft in a long time. So my point being, um, the only real pushback I have about anything that you said is I have legitimately only heard from people who have played Diablo, and I choose not to play the beta because I know I'm going to get the game. From people who are playing the betas for the, you know, if you reach this point, you get extra items at launch and whatnot, I have mm. only heard that the game is incredibly fun. I, I'm not doubting it. I'm, I'm just saying, going off that Interesting article that, I read. Yeah, you, you pointed an article, but that, that maybe just sounds like someone who doesn't like that type of game. One thing that's become very apparent lately is um, journalists being asked to cover games that they that's not within their sensibilities. And it's like trying to tell me to cover Tears of the Kingdom. It's, it's not going to be good for people who actually like that type of game. You know, yeah, and it doesn't mean there's no room for criticism, but you can criticize it whenever you're saying, "Okay, here's my here's my op-ed toward that." But in terms of coverage for people who want to see coverage of a game that they're excited for, make sure it's someone who is also a fan of that type of game, so that their criticism means something to the people. And maybe maybe this person in this article you're talking about is not an example of that, but that seems wildly at odds with people I've talked about in person and online discourse around Diablo 4. All yeah. I've heard from... I know this is a good show about Blizzard, though, in terms of why they might be overly you know, overstated in, in our industry, but also just how popular they are. I've heard more people talk about Diablo 4 in the past two weeks than I've heard anybody in my out-and-about day-to-day life talk about games that's not part of my friend group. 
I've heard people mm-hmm. who I have no, I'm, I've never really talked to them much talking about Diablo 4 and how fun it is and how they've never played a Diablo, but they heard about it and played it and they were having a blast and they're so excited for the game. So whatever it is, Blizzard, for better or worse, whether they deserve it or not, definitely has a magic with people where for some reason games reach audiences they normally wouldn't. Yeah. Again, uh, all of this comes from someone looking on the outside, except for certain games. I played a lot of StarCraft. I've played a lot of Diablo 3, and I've played probably more Overwatch than almost anyone else listening to this show. I have thousands of hours on single characters of Overwatch. So I, I have played that game, and I think we're yeah. at the point where we have to question Blizzard's chops. We got to. All, I don't look, know. I just, I just think I, this I is dumb. Because this is like saying that Destiny 2 story content... They deliver non-story content in Destiny 2 constantly, and they still deliver story content and, mm-hmm. and things that can essentially be viewed in single-player capacity. You don't have to play the Witch Queen storyline campaign with anyone. You can do that completely yeah. by yourself. And technically, you can kind of do that in any aspect of Destiny. But most of Destiny is going to be something you want to do with other people. How can that not also be true bodies. of this game? Well, and the you know craziest I mean? part about the quote is they've been making fucking Overwatch since generously 2013 and why did you even need overwatch 2 then if the whole selling point of the game was that it was going to include a new mode that overwatch 1 didn't have why did you even sell it now this is just like destiny 2 being destiny 2 when they don't intend to make a destiny 3 ever now because from the get-go they just wanted it to be destiny and then activision was like no 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 which i guess the fucking common denominator here is activision since they own blizzard (laughs) for now we'll see Maybe that's, that's still- maybe that's the maybe that's the silver lining of Microsoft as they can figure this shit out. Not looking good after Red Bull, but you hear what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not super negative on uh, on Blizzard, but I am kind of in the same boat as you. Where when people talk about them, I'm like, I don't I don't get it. I guess. My- but then I play then I play Diablo three for three hundred hours, four hundred hours, five hundred hours. I'm like, okay, fuck yeah, this is cool. This is really good. And then Diablo four looks fucking awesome, and I'll probably play it for hundreds of hours. So. Uh, you know, it's it's confusing. I guess that's my, the best way to put it. My opinion is definitely skewed by the fact that no other dev studio would survive the allegations they survived. And I don't think the games are good enough to really survive it. So I'm just super confused on <laughs> Blizzard. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. All right. Moving on. Another Killed game that woman. has ended development. <laughs> that game is... A woman is- died. Jesus Christ. I'm don't sorry. be wrong, dude. It, that yeah. is fucking wild. I don't want to take away from that. We can stop for a second. That is fucking wild. It, they, are it, all, they are ultimately allegations that I can't verify the truth of. But it's it's the type of it's the type of allegation that you don't hear every day. If nothing else, it's a fucking wild allegation. Yeah, I'm not trying to be that guy. But when we're looking at shit like people saying things on Twitter and losing their whole careers. And then it comes out credibly that a woman killed herself over stuff at blizzard. And we're like, Diablo four looks fucking sick dog. <laughs> That's right. where I look at it. Listen, I'm not standing on Holy ground. I'm going to play Diablo four cause you're going to buy it. So why wouldn't I play it? But, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, Holy shit. Again, they killed a woman and it's like, eh, Diablo is going to be great. And you know, you bought this new game, but we're not going to give you any content. And the only way to get good at Diablo immortal is to spend a hundred thousand dollars. And then even if you spend a hundred thousand dollars, you might not be very good. I feel like all of these things combined, we could kind of go, eh, maybe we stop buying blizzard games. I'm not that guy. I'm really not like free market capitalism, buy your blizzard games. I could not give a shit, but I think more yeah. realistically, we, we maybe look at some of the stuff we talk about and, maybe hold 
the worst offender in the video game industry I've ever seen to the account that we would hold Troy Levitt to. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the yeah, fair, fair, <laughs> super fair. But also, <laughs> one thing I, I've been talking about this a while. I do think that with all media, there comes a point where it becomes a um a self fulfilling prophe- prophecy. Just just by nature of being made, it's going to succeed because it's part 100%. of something that is a machine that is almost impossible to stop. And I always hope that there's like a real part of where you don't have to be like where you don't have to be cynical and you go, this will end someday. Like someday Call of Duty just can't keep up. Yeah. But it definitely feels like that's an impossibility to a degree. Because yeah. like even the games that get the most shit still sell 30 times more than the best-selling game other than it. You know what I mean? It's like, if if your worst game is Infinity Warfare in terms of sales mm-hmm. and, and online discourse, you're fucking rolling, baby. If, if, if your worst game is a game that outsold every other game by uh, tenfold, if, if not more... How the fuck do you fail? And I like that game. I'm, I'm a defender of that game, and I'm still like, <laughs> how the fuck does this work? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but it's just... Yeah, so that's probably know. where Blizzard's at. And, and honestly, it's kind of where Bioware's at. And again, as somebody who liked Anthem, Anthem sold fucking crazy, considering that people talk nothing but mad shit about that game. Well, and yeah, then but that's, it's also all those, those games things are going to continue to do so. It's the typical, like, Twitter is not real life. Nobody of cares... Of course. Hog, Hogwarts and Legacy you, was always going to sell a million thousand bajillion copies. I just yep. I can just get frustrated when you see I hate using the word cuz now it's got a negative connotation, but when you see those the clear bias of like, yeah, we're going to forgive this and Jason Schreier saying things like, you know, I knew but I didn't say anything because it's Blizzard. It's like Troy Levitt made some edgy Chris Raygun type videos. And now you're mad at now Troy Levitt has to quit the industry. But you know, yeah. Blizzard and Bobby Kodak and Activision, they get their golden parachutes and then Diablo four is gonna sell. It's just frustrating. And I just went on a fucking it half is, an hour tangent about fair. that and I apologize. But it's fine. It, it, it goes my, my last remarks on it will simply be that it's like all things where you have to realize that most things are made from a group of people who are probably not should not be represented by the grossest actions of the few. Yeah, but it doesn't. If you read that stuff, man, it was not the few. <laughs> it was that was Blizzard culture, and that's the thing yeah, that frustrates right, me yeah. the most. It's just yeah. Well, then again, culture seems set by the loudest people. Whether or not it truly is, it's the people. But you go into the same thing of by being silent, you're complicit to a degree. Well, like you know, if you're seeing this stuff enough and you're not really doing anything to actively change it, at what point do you become responsible? And it's a difficult conversation to have. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just it is what it is. So let's move on to something a little lighter and look, and look at another game that decided to end development here. So you may remember that, yeah, you know, vampires they, and shit. <laughs> they can't go out during the day. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> Another game. I love you, Chris. I I mean that with all the heart and respect that I can do. Uh, Another game has ended development. That game is PC and PS5 exclusive Battle Royale Blood Hunt the Masquerade. As you may remember, Vampire the Masquerade was trying to make a big comeback. And across the board, it has seemed to not work. That sucks for anyone who is excited about it. Because when's the last time you heard anything about Vampire the Masquerade 2? Not not recently. Whatever that game was called. I will say, though, this game fucks. 
and I'm pretty. It sure looked really cool, and I meant to sick. play it actually, and never did. Uh, so Shark Bob announced on Monday that the game had not hit the mark for players, thus bringing active development to an end. While the servers will remain open for the foreseeable future, no future updates are planned, and in-game monetization will cease. Um, Just to uh, what, clarify, quick, because I realize I wrote this weird. Um, they didn't hit the mark for active players. This wasn't a quality thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's the weird thing about competition within games as a service, which is un- inevitably where this is at. You know, it, it is what this is, and you are dealing with a market that is so inundated with people and and so inundated with games that no matter how hard you try. Even good games will eventually fall by the wayside because player retention is super hard to do when you've only got so many players, but there's so many games. And the biggest players continue to be the biggest players almost without fail. So Fortnite has become a thing where Fortnite will pretty much always stay a certain size minimum. Call of Duty will always stay a certain size minimum. And Apex will always stay a certain size minimum. Destiny will probably always stay a a similar size minimum. So what happens when you try to introduce something new into that Warframe? You're talking about not one or two big players. You're talking about a huge thing of players that have multiple millions. It's a it's a weird thing to come down to. Chris, having not yes. played this, do you think it's reasonable and worth, uh, even though it's ending support, uh, servers will still be up? Do you think this is something that is worth downloading and giving a try? Yes. Yeah, okay. I I really enjoyed the time I had with it, but it does one of those things where you have to sign up for like a Shark Mob account to get in. So every person uh, I tried to get to play was like, "I'm not doing that." And I'm like, "But the game's really fun. It wasn't didn't take me that long." And they're like, yeah, "I'm not doing that." And I'm like, "Well, you suck. I'll play it by myself." And then I didn't play it very much by myself. Hardest part of that is barriers of entries to games that are unnecessary. Yeah, I there don't is know why no they do reason that. it market it's the modern market your information is more valuable than anything else is this game free to play yeah there you go the money comes from what you buy in game monetization wise and then what they can sell your information for true (laughs) that is it not wrong unfortunately that sucks you know a, a conversation if you don't like twitter that's fine and i don't really care if you want to quit twitter or whatever but the fact that everyone is so immediately looking at the fact that Twitter's trying to move to a non-information and ad-based monetary system, or at least not be entirely reliant upon it, is, to me, particularly kind of crazy. Because I'm going to be honest, I would rather, if it came down to having to pay $8 a month, I would rather pay $8 a month and them have none of my personal information, if that was part of it. And that be how they monetize, monetize instead of listening to what I'm talking about and giving me ads for stuff while they listen to what I'm talking about with my friends in the room. That's fucking creepy. $8 seems like a pretty fucking low price to not deal with that. I'm being 100% honest with you. I do not see the value in talking about something and finding an ad for it. That's weird and an overstep and I fucking hate it. <laughs> And yet everyone's like, no, Twitter needs to be 100% free and just use all of our data. Like, dude, if Google was like, hey, we won't take any more of your information, but you pay us $10 a month, I would pay $10 a month for Google. Mm-hmm. I don't Google's know that I Google's a would, useful service. But I actually, I've, I'm, in, I'm in the space where I know that all that shit's inevitable. So I actually kind of, I'm at the point where I'm like, I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, I've never bought something that was given to me an ad because I talked about it because it always gives me ads for shit I would never buy. I'm talking to someone else about it. I'm like, oh, you did that and that thing? 
And then it gives me an ad. I'm like, I don't fucking need a tent. <laughs> I don't camp. <laughs> yeah. What's your- sure. But I've definitely done the like, uh, I, I wish I knew of a good place to get a third party PlayStation controller. Did you hear me? I don't know where to get a third person, a third party PlayStation controller. And then like the ad pops up and I'm like, oh, cool. Like I, 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 I get where you're coming from and I, I would agree with it. Problem is we're not going back. So I might as well use it to my advantage. Chris, you almost said third person controller. And my head is going through what that would be. <laughs> and I figured it out. It the, is you. Yeah. It is you playing, you controlling someone else who's controlling the camera, the, 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 the controller. So it's like you in an omniscient thing controlling this person who is then controlling the controller. Isn't and that's that how you fourth person? That's a third. No, third person would be but that you're over I the would, shoulder looking at them. You're controlling right. the person controlling the camera. You would be the third person in that setup. You'd be third person perspective, you know? Okay. I'll let you have it. I think it's very close to fourth, but I think you are correct. I'm just, it just sounds weird in my head. It's a weird idea. You buy a controller that's a human with a controller. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey man, I'm Steve. It's the beginning of Detroit become human, but just. <laughs> It's so basically it's just a voice activated controller and the and the dumbass delay that comes with that because the person with the controller can think quicker than you can talk, but you have to talk to him to control him. Yeah. Steve. Left. Left Steve. <laughs> X Steve. R1. Cara. I didn't say quit pressing R1. Kara, shake. Kara, shake. Kara, goddammit, it, shake. <laughs> oh fuck it. All right. Yeah, speaking unfortunate of for shaking, that game, but that's the last. I was going to say, speaking of shaking, there's been some shakeups in the PlayStation ecosystem, bro. There have been some shakeups in the PlayStation ecosystem. So back in 2021, Sony announced it was backing a new multiplayer AAA shooter from a new team, Deviation Games. The studio attracted a ton of talent from Respawn and Call of Duty teams, including Jason Blundell, who was one of the visionaries of excuse me, Call of Duty Zombies and the co-head of Treyarch. The studio stayed quiet up until September when Jason announced he was leaving the studio. Fast forward to today, Deviation has laid off a lot of its staff with reports putting that number at 90 people. Almost 90% of the workforce announced when Sony and Deviation announced the deal. Whether or not that's where they currently are is hard to say. Uh, This news comes in right around the leak of a canceled Sony project at Final Strike Studio. Since then, reports have come in that Final Strike and Deviation's projects are one and the same, with Final Strike providing development support. So there's a lot of stuff that has not been confirmed by anyone. To some degree, you can call this conjecture. Deviation at this point is still open. But this is not looking good uh, for... The project that they are on that we were looking at, uh, you know, eventually coming, as well as Chris's long running hope that deviation would be one of the next uh, acquisitions. So as you can see, Chris is repping his deviation shirt. He clearly believes in this team. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts here? Does this come as a actually big surprise to you? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. Yes and no, right? Because Jason leaving is a huge thing. But then you look at Haven, who also had one of its directors leave, and Sony bought them. So, I don't know. I think think the reality is that if you look around what's going on with Sony, right? 
They're clearly evaluating what they have in their pipeline and making decisions on that. And clearly that's resulted in Firewalk being purchased, Pixel Opus being shut down, Dreams dying, and the Deviation slash Final Strike game being canceled. That seems pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, clearly that's where they are. I am curious as to, you, you know, you, we talk about timing, right? You were talking about timing for Siphon Filter right before a supposed PlayStation Showcase. And if you look at a lot of this, this is right before a PlayStation Showcase. So is this kind of going through your studios and looking and being like, what do we have to show? What do we need to kill? What do we need to give more time? What is maybe moving quicker than we thought it would so that we can mm-hmm. determine the best way to show these things? Um, and and what to look at and what to promise and make sure that you don't pull no no one who does a showcase no publisher who does a showcase of any form wants to announce a game and then cancel it no one does no but there's a big difference between announcing that you're working on a game with a studio and announcing the game with a name and with expectations and with gameplay or footage uh, of what you expect gameplay to be like and then canceling it. Um, one leads to like, oh, that sucks. And then one leads to when will, will we ever see, you know, agent come back around? Will we ever see this game come back around? Will we ever see Michael Ansel's wild come back around? That's a PS4 exclusive. You probably hadn't thought about in a while. So yeah, that sucks. But I think Sony's learned a lot of lessons. And if they're looking at what's going on in the industry at large right now with publishers being criticized for certain quality issues, Microsoft being criticized for different things like maybe not delaying Redfall to make sure it can hit a better quality standpoint, <clears throat> not intervening at some point to maybe cancel Redfall if you really think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad. But if you look at it as something that's important to showcase your the, the strength of your brand, then maybe it is that bad. So when you look at all that, Sony's clearly doing some internal investigating over what's worth it and what's not. Um, hmm. This sucks, but it, it suck. makes me curious to see if Sony will still work with deviation to some <coughs> degree or if this is the end of that entirely with no well, other support. Interesting tidbit. Um, clearly, as an owner of a deviation t-shirt, I've been on their website before and this website's completely different. Like it looks oh, a lot just, nicer. I, I yeah, and I loaded it up uh, yesterday. Yeah, and saw that it starts with like this weird quote, moves through, and it's like it's kind of annoying website if I'm being no, honest. It but it sucks. looks a lot nicer. We yeah, are deviators. Um, yeah, but it's definitely different. It's better. It's designed way better. It looks nicer. Um, but the if you go into their leadership tab, you go through everything. That's all there. But it says, ready to deviate, join us. And then you click that, and it's a dead LinkedIn link. So, <laughs> uh-oh. That's not, that's weird. <laughs> that's a sign. Yeah. I guess the reality of, of all of this is whether or not deviation will exist, irregardless of Sony, you know? Mm-hmm. And then so. I didn't put this in there, but I guess the uh, budget was over $50 million. So Ooh. that's a... $50 million failure, if that's true. And who knows? Maybe the game is closer than we thought, and this is just normal, like, calling of staff that happens in the games industry before uh, It definitely doesn't back seem up. like that, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. It could be. It's not like the senior leadership's leaving. That That's not, not a good thing, 
to be abundantly but clear. Also, but also, can that be true if if these reports of it being uh, the of the canceled game at Final Strike being the same game as Deviation? That sounds like it's a canceled project, not a done project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe, but maybe their work is done. I don't know. Who knows? You know what? We got one more piece of news, and we're going to move into questions. So, Chris, Mortal Kombat is coming back, if you have not noticed. Teasers for the project have been percolating for a while, like Mary J. Blige, but have been raised to a fever pitch with Ed Boon tweeting a clock that goes from 9 through 11 and then skips 12 and goes straight to 1, potentially teasing a full reboot or timeline reset, however you want to look at it. Later, Jess Corden reported that indeed a reboot is coming, and it would be called MK1. He teased guest characters like Peacemaker and Homelander and that the game is set for release this year. And just because Chris is clearly proud of himself, he would probably want me to tell you that every C in the sentence, besides the C in Peacemaker, was a K. Yeah, I was very proud. And it's only not a C in Peacemaker because it wouldn't make any sense. Or it's only not a K in Peacemaker. I still would have known it was Peacemaker, even if it was Peacemaker. Fair. Just had to be sure. Homelander as a Mortal Kombat character actually is super cool. I would it would have made it's more right sense on. for an Injustice cameo <laughs> character, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked that instead. Superman versus Homelander just for Superman <laughs> Dude, to fucking s- body. <laughs> that would be sick though. That would be really cool. It would be cool. Yeah, I'm excited All about right, like yeah. Mortal Kombat. You know, it's funny because they haven't done a, a timeline reboot in a while, I don't think, but mm, it's weird. I skip, I skip so many games that uh, I kind of viewed 9 as like a new, whether it was a new timeline or not, it was like clearly the start of something. Mm-hmm. And I love 9. I adored 9. I beat it on Vita. I beat it on great PS3. Game. I beat it on a great game. Fantastic game. Absolutely. Also a game that runs at 60 frames per second on Vita, surprisingly. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all that said, 10, which I have the super fucking cool uh, Scorpion statue that they did for it, uh, I fell off that game hard. And I didn't even try 11 because I was kind of like, yeah, I didn't like 10. I'm just not going to like this. But the, the difference for me is that for fighting games, I'm coming at them entirely for story and the gameplay within the story. Injustice 1 and 2, great games. Love them. As soon as I beat the story, I never played them again. <laughs> so... That's how I play fighting games. I know that other people are more excited for different reasons. So this would be me being excited insofar as I don't have to worry about having not played 10 or 11 in order to play this one if it is a reboot. Yeah, I mean, they've rebooted. 9 was a reboot and 11 ends in a certain way. I guess I won't spoil it, but I would not be surprised by a full reboot. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, checks out. Um so, yeah, this doesn't mean too much to me. I'm not a big fighting game fan, but I do like Mortal Kombat and have been known to love a few of those entries. Brett, who's your, uh, who is your dream guest roster? Like, give me your four for a battle, battle pass. And I don't know because it's, it's always, sometimes they do them. Like, I, I've never been good at figuring out which ones I'd want to see until suddenly they do one. I'm like, that's awful. Or that one's okay. That one checks out. Okay. I think part of that comes from the fact that Mortal Kombat's been around for so long and has so many original characters that I feel like almost every playstyle 
pretty much already has a character that embodies that. And so a guest fighter doesn't do as much for what it could bring in a gameplay side so much more as it would be interesting to see a similar gameplay as this other character, but with this skin. And since I don't play them for anything other than the story, it's hard to get excited for just a skin. Okay. So I don't have an answer. (laughs) I genuinely don't because I don't play fighting games like that. I don't care about continuing to play them after the story. Smash is the closest you get to that. And eventually I hit a point where I'm like, okay, I've I've played all I will probably ever play of Smash Ultimate. All right. That's fair. So do you have a dream roster? Oh, 100%. But it seems a little lame now. No, let's hear it. (laughs) Fine. I'll go with uh, Homelander. I'm going to go with Owen from the Jurassic World series. Um, I'm going to go with keeping with that. I think I would take the T-Rex from Jurassic World. Um, And then lastly, I would take this is a hard one. This could really go anywhere. Um, I, I, I thought about Harry Potter, actually. Voldemort would be sick. Voldemort would cool. actually be the more interesting of that of yeah. that potential choice. He can only fire his wand, but he's like his moves are like, oh, he dashes to the other side and disappears. Super annoying to play against. It would be super annoying to play Smoke. against. Smoke. Smoke, but with a wand. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Again, like um, I'm telling you, Mortal Kombat has too many characters that already play like other things you'd imagine. Right. Well, that's why my next pick <laughs> is really the best pick. Because it's off the wall, and it would be a different character, and I would take the bartender from Cheers. So that would be my fourth. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yep. Here, here's an interesting one. Not that I'd go for it, but since you felt disappointed that I didn't give you anything, uh, the show The Good Place, the same actor as the bartender from Cheers, by the way, uh, Michael, who is uh, a creator, like he he has powers because he's helps create the uh, the afterlifes in which people interact with, I think he'd be a really interesting character to see in there just because he actually has the ability to manipulate certain things, at least within the world that he interacts with. So if you think of him as a creator of the same universe that Mortal Kombat interacts with, um, then he could do some really interesting stuff. He's not like, he's not endlessly powerful, but has a lot of very interesting ways to play. Okay. I like it. There you go. I don't know if you've ever watched a good place. I never really wanted to. My wife was watching it and, and it's actually very good. <laughs> so if you ever have a weird time where you don't know what to watch, Chris, we have some questions. One of which we didn't get to last week. And Ask Mr. B Raj 88, one of our patrons was so patient. This is the part of the show where we get to any questions that we did not have a sensible way to inter- intervene to the news or somewhere else. So B Raj ask, not sure if I brought it up on any if it got brought up on any other nartech podcast but how did you and chris meet i've been listening for almost three years i think and i don't think i've heard it talked about so chris would you like to tell the completely (laughs) non-eventful story of how you and i met (laughs) yeah blake said this guy brett me and blake decided we wanted to do a movie podcast rest in peace and he said oh i got this guy brett who is willing to do it with us. And I was like, okay, cool. And I thought you were another guy. So I was like, this is going to fucking suck. This guy sucks. Um, And then, you know, what, four years later, we're all chilling, doing good. Here we are. Yeah, here here we we are. are. 
Money. I guess it's three Chris, years because we started we started midweek in like March of twenty, right? I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. It was right, it it was right when right. COVID was hitting. Yeah, we were like we started it right before, and then it like started to trend that like, oh, it's COVID, do a podcast. I'm like, fuck, it's not why I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I started first. <laughs> it's like when you go to the gym, you're like a. I don't know if you've had this right, but I'm a big guy. And I always decide I'm going to go back to the gym like October. Okay. But then because I'm a big guy, you don't lose weight all that fast. So then you got to deal with who gets the new, all the fat fucks. It's the New Year's resolution crew is coming in. I'm like, bitch, I've been in this bitch. I'm just still fat. Like, (laughs) 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 same thing. That's good. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, there's a little bit more to that story that maybe you aren't even aware of. Might the be. beginning of the conversation with Blake and I was whether or not I'd be willing to to essentially help host the podcast. And I mean that in the out of the podcast sense where y'all would basically just get to use the, the hosting service oh, that server. we use to put yeah. the podcast out. Gotcha. And so I was like, you know, I could probably make that happen and we can kind of do it. But if we do it and it has the Nartech name on it, which clearly it'd be coming out of something I'd be paying for because I'd have to up what I pay per month for our hosting, our, our hosting service in order to have a second podcast come in. And so I did that. Um, and then it kind of became a thing of like, well, you know what? Like, I don't really I think a movie podcast could be cool where I was at in life, it just, I had the time and I don't seem to have that time now in the same capacity and nor do you, uh, it seems, but, or at least we don't have that time in the same capacity in, in a fact that our schedules line up to make it happen. That's what I should say. Um, yeah. The only time I have to do midweek now you're working. And the only time you have to do midweek now I'm working. And that's basically <laughs> yeah. where it comes down to pretty um, much. Might not be the case. So yeah, it, it morphed into me giving some tips and ideas and saying I would help host uh, as a as to where the show would come out from to being like, oh, fuck it, I'll just be part of it. And actually, mm-hmm. if you remember, part of that kind of happened because even before I really knew I was going to be part of it, I was kind of like, well, I'll help you all like make logos and stuff and we'll talk about what we want to do. And then I just kind of became part of it. It was really just how it happened. Yeah, I had no idea. Because my my cousin, who I think listens to the show, I'm not sure if you do. Hey, Joe. Well, if you um, do, fuck you. I'm kidding. What's up, man? <laughs> I had talked to him about his company helping us, and it was a lot of like we haven't even started, and like money stuff is all being talked about. And I'm like, all right. And then Blake was like, yeah, I got this guy. He'll do it. We'll do it with him. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I yeah. just remember at that point, I was like, don't ever, don't ever let me host that show. I don't ever want to host. And then turns out by the end, I'm like, I'll host it. It's fine. It's been fun. Yeah, that I remember that conversation explicitly because yeah. we were you were concerned about us rotating hosts, which yeah. I still think was a fun idea. I like because it. of the setup of the hosts choosing the movie that they were going to host yeah. for. Um, though maybe we should have flipped that on its head, and the person who had the host for the movie was the person who didn't choose it. That maybe would have been more fun more often because you may have to host an episode for a movie that you fucking hated. <laughs> <laughs> you know this. 
Hi guys, I'm Chris. Welcome to Midweek Matinee. This week we're talking about the fucking Belko experiment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, you would be like, hi, I'm Chris, and today we're talking about fucking irreversible. I didn't even finish it. <laughs> this movie made me yeah. physically ill. I'm not talking about it. This episode's over. What a fucking, what a fucking movie. That movie is <sighs> wild. Dude, I'm going to watch Dungeons and Dragons today and have fun. I'm not ever watching that movie again. I want to see Dungeons and Dragons. Just let me know it's, what you think about it. I've it's, heard on, good uh, it's on Paramount Plus for free, so I'm going to watch it. <sighs> Wait, I think I have Paramount Plus right now. Cool. You should also have <laughs> my access wife, to my, my Amazon. My wife. So. Good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, you know what? That's a hack right there. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, my wife paid for Paramount Plus so she could watch those dumb Are You the One matchmaking shows where it's like a bunch of fucking raucous you know, <laughs> asshole party people yeah. go to like Nor- New Orleans or Hawaii and live in a house together for weeks and have to figure out who their perfect match is. And if by the end of the 10 weeks that they have to get it done, they find all the perfect matches, they win a million dollars. First she- and foremost, every single fucking time they win. I don't believe it. There's yeah. no fucking way statistically. There is no fucking way that every single season, and there's been like nine Every single season, they have won. It's bullshit. It's because it, it it's good TV. You want to see people win. Yeah. Can, um, you you want to see people fail a lot, but at the end, do you want to see them win? Yeah, we, we all look at a good comeback score. Um, yeah. Is she watching the one that's like the Island of Milfs or whatever? Have you heard of this one? Oh, no, she's not, but I do know what you're talking about because I was messing with her about the fact that it exists. I was like, you're going to watch that now? But uh, no, she's been watching. Like, there's there's an MTV one that was called, I think, Next. Are You the One? Okay. Is what it was called. And then there is, and the whole point of that show is to find your perfect match. And you have to, everyone has to vote for people to go in a booth and it'll confirm whether they're a perfect match. And if, but you can only do that by people winning challenges and getting dates and getting a chance to go into that booth. It's, it's fucking weird. Inherently by being around, I'm playing Vita while she's watching it. So I Mm. pick up on some of the dumb shit. Just, Just so that everyone has the context that we didn't give it. And I think the context is equally important and hilarious. Uh, MILF Island is about, 10 MILFs, I think it's 10, who go to an island because they're cougars. It's Cougar Island. Sorry. Um, They go to an island with 10 other cougars because they want to date younger men. And the twist of the show is that all of the MILFs are accompanied by their their sons. So it's it's a bunch of MILFs trying to fuck each other's kids. Ugh. Yeah. That is a that is a that is, it is probably doing. What's crazy is it's probably doing numbers. Hundred percent doing fucking not, massive numbers. I don't I don't like using this as often as some people do. It's very much in our culture. But that show is fucking Freudian, and there will be <laughs> a season. There, there will. I'm willing to bet any amount of money on this that there will be a season where a mom hooks up with her son. Whether on purpose or by accident, it will happen on the show. <laughs> you know, it's weird because conceptually, an older woman and a younger dude hooking up doesn't bother me. No. At all. But choosing to make a TV show where it's 10 women who want to fuck younger dudes, so they bring their their sons along with them, 
for their sons to be the target of the other women. That is that's a that's a wild ass kind of gross concept. Just to be Not clear, be, they don't. It's because know of the relationship. The men are going it. to be their children. They don't know that the child that the the younger men are all each other's children at the start. They until like they find hit that the island, out. yeah, and they're like, "Oh my god, Bobby, you're here!" Right? Don't you have Don't you have football practice? No, <laughs> that's fucking. That is fucking. <laughs> no, I'm gonna rail this lady. <laughs> there's just there's just no situation in in life where that's acceptable. If it was like cougar dads inappropriate wrong the internet would be on fire this was like kindergarten school teacher island 100 percent burn down tlc it's all over but it's moms and young boys and we're like yeah this is totally fine this isn't well because we are a culture that for some reason you can milf it up and it's fine it's a weird you know what we've moved way past the scope of the original question so there you go we met very unceremoniously but what yeah. happened and i think that you can really hear it in midweek if you listen from the episode one on is yeah. that pretty early on chris and i started realizing that we had similar senses of humor and <laughs> willingness to push to ridiculous fucking places yeah and it kind of just continued to grow from there I think there, that it really rears its head. The first episode where it rears its head is our House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. It's it really, is one of the one most episode. fun times I've had recording a podcast <laughs> to the point where it was like three o'clock in the morning because even though I was working and we did not work from home, I, I was recording to help everyone schedule wise. We were starting recording at like fucking midnight or 11 yeah. o'clock my time. Uh, so here I am one or two in the morning fucking howling, laughing at this dumbass <laughs> thread that Chris and I get off onto about, <laughs> about porn preferences <laughs> with, within some interaction of house of a thousand corpses. And uh, I woke my wife up because it traveled through our air vents. <laughs> that shit was saw, funny. The funniest through line for that single episode is me telling my new bosses about my podcasts, and then one of them coming in the next day and be like, "Listen to the House of a Thousand Corpses episode." And I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> R- wrong fucking episode to listen to, baby." That that show, I think. I mean, yeah. arguably the right episode to listen to. Hundred percent. Great time. That yeah. that show, yeah, it was that show that really I think made us friends, and then. If you listen to this show, you hear how that show started going. It's just more controlled for the most part, you know. Yeah, I, sure. I'll, this I'll, is I'll, a, this is still relatively this is reined in for us. Yes, yeah, and like that, you know, our yeah. interactions and my interactions with Saul are very different. And I think our my interaction. What's funny is I still goof around with Saul. Like when we're doing Yu Gi Oh nights and stuff, we talk and bullshit and make all sorts of dumb jokes. But I think the difference is we came into the podcast with a different set of mind. And since we came into that, anytime we'd sit down to to do the show, it was kind of built around that basis. And you and I have never come into a show with the whole basis being like, hey, we're going to try and be relatively clean and take it 100% seriously for the most part. Maybe we'll have like little jokes here and there, but we're going to take this and, and, that fell apart because you and I didn't come from that basis. So yeah. I think a lot of people that listen to the show with that basis uh, probably didn't stick around. You know, I mean, some of them clearly have people who are interacting with us like Josh and <clears throat> rude cold 
and uh, Jehudi even. Uh, we have a lot of people who have stuck around with us, but I think some of the people who maybe were not as active in the community when you came on probably left just by nature of you and our relationship. You and I, our relationship is just a lot different than Saul and mm-hmm. I's relationship. Also by nature of our relationship is entirely built online. Yeah. Up until you came to Texarkana. <coughs> right, exactly. But by that point, arguably, me. I trusted you enough to let you come and stay in my house yeah, completely did. from online standpoint. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this it's is like, basically like when people used to become friends on Call of Duty in, in multiplayer lobbies in the <laughs> early PS3 360 days, but we just did it in the Discord. Yeah. Our th- that, that was our-, <laughs> our, our Discord that was still called Three Guys One Film, despite the fact that there were four of us. <laughs> At the time. Yeah. I was like, we never updated the Discord. I will say that I love Midweek Matinee. I miss it. But I will never have a better joke than the joke I made during Kong versus Godzilla. I'm still proud of that joke. (laughs) Go listen to it if you want to hear it. It's a good joke. Uh, Everyone has their moments. So it's it's a good good show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of moments in midweek that I'm very proud of, mm-hmm. uh, or happy about, either because they were ridiculous or because they were serious. And I think we actually kind of got somewhere by being mm-hmm. willing to have a, interesting conversations. Yeah, um, I, I still really love that. Um, now I'm forgetting the the name, even though it was one of my favorite movies. Fuck the the episode about the author. Man, why can't I remember what it's called? Anyway. Great episode. That was when we talked a lot about mental health and stuff. And I thought that was a really good episode. Look, this is a good ass episode. Oh, yeah the the end of the journey or whatever. Yes. What is yeah, it called? Yeah. End of the tour. End of the tour. End, of, end of tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude, that movie is fantastic. Um, yeah, I also like the um, what is that fucking uh, Spike Lee movie that we did? Um, do the right thing. Do the right thing. That was a good episode, I think. At least in terms of <laughs> my enjoyment having conversations around it, um, it was a good time. That was a great episode. It was a good episode. There's a couple of interactions that stick out in my memory very, 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 very you know, I, I think about yeah, it often. I, I know, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have one more question before we get into Velvet's Corner, which we cut short last week. So thank you, Velvet, for your patience. Uh, Jehudi MD comes in, another patron. Uh, he says, do you ever see yourself laying the controller down and stopping gaming altogether? Any specific industry trend that would make you reconsider gaming as a hobby? Chris, what do you think? Um, my gut answer is No. Um, because if you can't tell just by listening to me, I don't particularly give a shit about what's going on around the industry as long as I'm getting the games I like. Sure. Um, but I, I think he's asking, like, is there a trend that could affect the games that would that could happen no, on a large enough scale to push you away? I mean, I think the biggest issue would be, like, if, if and I don't mean any offense to you, I just don't like these games. I've fallen asleep every time we've tried to play them. If every game became Conan or The Forest, then I would sure. stop playing games because I don't like them. Like I try, yeah. but every time I play them, I fall asleep playing them. So like that, that would turn me away for sure. But I think like microtransactions, like DLC, all of this stuff, like it doesn't bother me because I come from a perspective of, well, why would loot boxes matter to me if I'm not spending my money on them? You know? So yeah. Most of it being optional is, right, is where you exactly. come from. It would it would take a trend that takes over because like a lot of the trends that people point at DLC being cut content and if that's even <clears throat> what it is well, the, and microtransactions and all that stuff. Yeah, you're right. 
There's also an interesting argument there, though, where it's like, at, at some point, all of that becomes the norm, so then who cares? Like, if every game... Let's say if 20% of games in the PS3 era had followed, followed Asura's Wrath's lead and all the, the endings were DLC, we would have bitched about it, but people would have bought it, and then we move on to the PS4 era, where now 40% of games have an ending in DLC. And then we're in the PS... You know what I mean? It just continues to the point where we're at the PS8 and my kid is like, hey, Dad, I need $20 to buy the middle section of God of War Egyptian style. You know what I mean? And then, hey, I need $30 so I can see the ending. And then the game actually came for $0. You know what I mean? I think there's an issue where no trend will ever kill me because by the time it gets frustrating, it becomes so normalized that I don't care. Horse armor was ridiculed. And now, and it seems quaint now. And now we're at the point where I only, if people literally will say, there should be no microtransactions that aren't only cosmetic, <laughs> you know? So we've, we've, we've spun the pendulum to the point where I can't see any <laughs> trend right. fucking me over because it'll just become normal and then I won't care. <laughs> uh, to your point about all games kind of becoming, uh, essentially survival games, I guess would be what yeah. we'd come into. Even then, I think you'd be surprised that you'd occasionally, cause like I haven't played it yet. So don't let me just lie or anything, but I can already see aspects of survival games in tears of the kingdom. And it's actually why mm-hmm. I think I might like tears of the kingdom more than I did breath of the wild, because it's, it's digging even further into those tendencies that breath of the wild had already kind of set up with like cooking and whatnot yeah. and resource gathering. And there are, um, and so I think it just comes down to there will be games that interact in that style that you still connect with, and then plenty of others that you don't. Because uh, you're right, you've played a lot of them, and they don't click. They don't click for you. But then you're playing Tears of the Kingdom, which has a lot of the same mechanical boundaries, and yet you're having a great time, right? Yeah, because Tears of the Kingdom gives me purpose. Sons of the Forest does not. Well, there's a story in Sons of the Forest. There is a purpose. You gotta go rescue Timmy. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck Timmy is, but I do know who Zelda is. So- the Red Man took him. I don't know what the fuck that means because I don't set it up. They yeah, take dude, there's a cutscene. Whoa. That's an I probably entire cutscene. <laughs> you wreck, and then as you wake up and you're inside of the plane, you see this red guy come and grab your son. You're like, what the fuck? And then he goes away. Yeah, that's not compelling. <laughs> I played Fallout 4 already. so And that game's way worse. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not. The building's worse than the forest. How fun it is to build is worse than the forest. The open world's mm-hmm. worse than in the forest. Yeah, yeah, no. You know what, though? I could take the worst I'm, I'm honestly just taking the piss out of you of, right now. Of, but <laughs> I know. I do like the forest more than Fallout 4, if I'm being honest. But Sure, I like pizza more than dying, but that's okay. that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking... You asshole. That is not even a remotely similar comparison. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I like pizza more than dying. I'm pretty sure all people do. Not necessarily. Anyway, let's move on to Velvet's <laughs> Corner. <laughs> well, uh, to answer the question from my side, where I was going to go is in a similar fashion, if all games, I've been super burnt out on open worlds lately to the point where since modern gaming is so geared towards it, at least in the AAA sphere, I've been actively not playing my PS5 because I feel like every game that I'm wanting to play or that's coming out on PS5 that's bigger has a huge world. Even Nintendo has that. Part of why, I don't, why I'm scared 
scared is a strong word. Part of why I'm concerned about my potential enjoyment of Tears of the Kingdom whenever I eventually borrow it for free from a friend is that it's a huge world. And I've been so, even if the game's great, I've been so burned out on open worlds that I have a feeling the moment the open world hit me, I would be like, I don't want to play this right now. So it would be like, I'd be playing the game at the wrong time. I can't tell if I'm actually over that because it's been almost two months since I've played anything else um, besides Vita. And so part of what I've been trying to do with Vita is like detox myself from all these big games because I played a bunch of big games at the end of last year. Conan didn't help because it's similar in the fact that it's a very large open world to move through. And then Forspoken and then Hogwarts and all these games. And I kind of got to a point where I'm, I'm, I feel like because of how draining they are on me, if all gaming became every game being a minimum, you know, if every game essentially became Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where to even beat the main story, you're probably going to play at least 80 hours. I, I just couldn't. I, I would probably have to take very long breaks from gaming, if not outright be like, I, I can't do this. But the real answer, I think, would come down to, um, I don't think it would ever make me reconsider gaming as a hobby. Because as I've been doing this year, and has been proven by the Vita and PS3 from me playing those two, is that even if I'm not interacting with the new games because of some trend that they're hitting, that doesn't erase the thousands and thousands of games I've either never played or would like to play again that are on PS2, PS1, Xbox Original, Xbox 360, Vita, PSP. There is so many games that I've either never interacted with or would be have a good time re-interacting with that I think I would still game and just do so with games that don't follow the trend that I'm not having a good time with. I would agree. Dude, PS3 has got some fucking bangers. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I could just play PS3 games for the rest of my life and be mostly happy. Yeah, I think I could. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I'm considering because I'm going on a business trip um, for three plus weeks. Um, Friday, I leave, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, do I take my PS5? The answer is probably yes. But in my head, I'm like, but I could just take the PS3. And then I wouldn't have to worry about my PS5 getting damaged. I have a ton of games to play. Would be some fun little platinum trophies to get over these weeks. I've been considering it. This is a lot more discs to carry with me, but... I mean... uh, I don't know. To me, it sounds like that's what you should do. Yeah. The question Dude, at that I, point would be what games? I know it sounds weird because we do a weekly podcast around games, and I know that there's there's value in me trying to be up to date with newer games that people are probably interacting with. But you know, we've even had people say whenever we were doing episode 300 that one of the things they liked is that we talk about old games because not everyone's playing the newest thing at all times, but they still want to interact with podcasts and news and keep up with what's going on in gaming, even if it's not necessarily the new games. Um, I have had genuinely an absolute blast these last two months playing PS3 and PS Vita. I yeah, genuine. I don't feel like I've missed anything. Is that's the weirdest part? I don't feel guilty about my PS5. I don't care that it's there, but I'm I'm not mad that it's there. It's just I am having a good time playing Vita, and since I've switched back to my fat OLED Vita, I have 
had a lot less cramping issues. So I'm, and I think it's a better system anyway of the two. So I'm still using it over my slim and I am, I'm only questioning whether or not I will burn through the games I have that interest me immediately on that system. But I don't know, because even games I've never had interest in in a big way, like Lego video game, I played the Vita version and got the Platinum in that. It's apparently different than the PS3 version. It's a, it shares structure with the 3DS and mobile version. You know how many Lego games are on the Vita? And I like mm-hmm. that one. And as I was saying online, because I've been looking up other Lego games out of curiosity now, and I hear people being like, this is among the weaker ones. And I'm like, I like this one quite a bit. And if it's a weaker one, what are the better ones like? You know, so you, I've suddenly just found 12 new games I might like. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't think moving away from gaming makes sense. So it's such a big part of my life that I could just play Crash Bandicoot one through four and Sly Cooper one through four. And I could, there's so many games I can play that I, why would I ever move away from it? If anything, I'd save money by not having to buy new consoles and new games all the time. Though conversely, buying certain PS2 and PS1 games, if I was starting to do that, would could get very costly. Mm-hmm. And some certain PS3 games. And then the, the counterpoint is PC will always act as some form of antidote for that. Like even those games that are hitting... PC has got so many diverse games that often don't even get talked about or just on PC only. Uh, so we don't talk about them that realistically, I don't think that PC would ever have that problem. PC is such an open market that the moment that the console side of things started stagnating on this trend, people on the PC side that can self publish would just fix that. Yeah. The market would correct itself. Okay. We have one final thing here and that's a velvet's corner. So, without further ado, Velvet, we know you've been waiting for it, buddy. I know you have. So, if you're ready for it, I'm going to hit you with it. Velvet's Corner. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mr. Velvet, uh, who this segment is named after, uh, he says, Brett and Chris debate staying in the year 2073. If you remember, this is a continuation of our story. That's been going on for episodes now. So if you, if you want to hear the rest, you got to go back and hear the other ones. Uh, but Chris remembers Tears of the Kingdom was about to release. And all the Switch consoles were destroyed in 2051 when Miyamoto uploaded his consciousness into the Miiverse. So they need to get back as soon as possible. Also, they miss their families, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they travel the world for 10 years searching for a way to get home. Eventually, they meet a voodoo shaman who is the ritual that can take them back. To perform this ritual, they must concentrate on their happiest gaming memory, their angriest gaming memory, and their most embarrassing gaming memory. Their desperation to get home lets them ignore what a ridiculous premise this ritual is. So what memories are the duo going to use? Okay, Chris, how do you want to take this? Do you want to do each memory at a time like my happiest and your happiest and then my angriest and your angriest yes i think that's it all right so let's let's go i'm gonna start with you big guy so voodoo shaman hits at you says to do this ritual i need you to think of your happiest gaming memory where we at honestly i don't know i don't have a ton of super happy memories but i think the best one that i can think of is when me and my brother used to play like 
Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and just spend hours together just grinding Pokemon to level 100. And it'd always be like, oh, I got my Kyogre to level 100. I faced the Elite Four 87,000 times, you know? (laughs) That to me is probably the time I enjoyed it the most. Okay, it's weird because you say that, and you know, you're, you're kind of talking about in the Discord the other day. I heard you say like you audibly gasped and like laughed in like joy and and fun over Tears of the Kingdom. I did, and I think the the thing about gaming is that it's it, we've been doing it so long, right? Uh, anybody listening to this probably has been doing it so long and so often that it becomes a little easier to become immune to that in terms of it depositing as a long form memory. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think cause the, I said something else in the last actually I thought you were going to go with where I think I've come to a point where video games are just what I do in my spare time. So I don't have this like, a lot of the time, and that's how I know a game is special. Like, I knew when I was thinking about Octopath Traveler 2 at work that it was a special game. Same thing with Breath of the Wild, right? And I don't have that very often anymore because in my head, it's like, well, that's what I am That's what I do, right? I'm going to go home, I'm going to play video games. Sadie's going to go home, and then I'm going to pop on my video games. So it's never been a thing where it's more than just what I do in my spare time. So I haven't had a lot of times where it's like, Oh, this this was so exciting, or this was so cool, or whatever it is, because it's just kind of become a, nor- a normal a normalcy, right? So when something like Zelda and I go, <laughs> and I do that literally just like that when I'm in the middle of playing the game, you know, that says something to me, and it show that's how I know a game is special, you know, when I have that feeling of holy shit, and especially in Zelda when it's like, can I do this? And it's like I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to do this, and then I build a makeshift stairs going up a up a side of the mountain which i wasn't supposed to do but it allowed me to do it and i did it and then i went yay so you know it's it's that kind of stuff well you were supposed to do it it wasn't the intended solution but also your non-intended solution was intended because the game accounts for it right that's that and i actually love that right for all the things that anyone can say about tears of the kingdom there is something about game design where the whole design is that there is an intended solution and then enough room within the design and within the the setup and mechanics that you're given to play with in which the game can account for any multitude of random ways that you could figure out how to solve it given the mechanics that you have. And there's something to be said about that. You know, but to what you say, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding you. I think I have it. So you're saying that since gaming is something that you already do in your pastime and you kind of know you're going to do it, you only really have a giddiness about getting back to a game or at least a feeling of like, oh, yeah, this game is special. Because instead of you being like, yeah, when I get home, I'm going to play games because that's what I do. Instead, you're like, when I get home, I'm going to play The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Because yeah, that exactly. is what's drawing me back instead of the fact that I just play video games in my spare time, right? Yeah, because it's a lot of like why I don't stick with a lot of stuff where I don't have that. I'm going to go home and play Zelda. You know, let's use Horizon for an example. I fell off Horizon because I never had a feeling of I'm going to go home and play Horizon. So when I got home and Horizon was there, but then 15 other games that I wanted to play were there, I, there was no driving force to Horizon. So Horizon fell by the wayside because... I decided that night I was going to play Alan Wake. And then I was like, well, I don't have enough time for Horizon tonight, so I'm going to play, I don't know, 
children of Morda. And then it kept it keeps going that way until Horizon is so far beyond where I where I am now that I don't go back to it. Whereas Zelda, I I left work for my last day the other day, and the first I sat in the car and played on my Switch for like twenty minutes, you know, just because I wanted to play a little bit more Zelda before I had to drive home. And that doesn't happen for me very often. Yeah, I feel you. I'd say I understand where you're coming from, but I think by nature of how I interact with <coughs> gaming, and we've talked about our gaming differences, right? Like mm-hmm. you're a lot more sporadic than I am typically, whereas I tend to, as long as I like it enough, uh, I'm going to stick with that product. I'm going to stick with a game and beat it. That's how I tend to game. It's like, I'm okay, I'm on this game, and I know I'm on this game, so I'm going to beat it because it becomes about finishing that. Um now, to your point, I still have those moments like with Conan Exiles where and uh, and games like um, uh, what is the name of that freaking game? Hot Wheels Unleashed. Um, well, Hot Wheels Unleashed is actually a good example. <coughs> uh, but no, I was thinking about uh, Tribes of Midgard. Oh. Um, those are the games where and, and The Forest, those are the games where it pushes past like, yeah, I'm going to go home today and like beat God of War. And the reason I bring those up as examples is because those are the games that you, that for me at least, right? When I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to play Horizon. It's because I become, I I like it. And the drive is seeing it through to the end, right? Seeing the story through to the end or something like that. And the gameplay can be fun within all that, but it's about seeing the, the quest to its end. And I think games like The Forest to your point earlier, it is a vague... You, what you're supposed to do is vague. So most of what you do in the game is create your fun. And a game like Conan, most of what you do in the game is create your fun. There's not necessarily an end, because it's not linear or even semi-linear in structure. There's not something you're supposed to reach the end of that is immediately obvious and compelling in your face. You can find them if you dig within the game for them, but a lot of the fun that you had in those games and a lot of the excitement about me coming home and playing them was because in my mind I was like, dude, I figured out this cool way I can build this thing in uh, in Conan. I want to go home and see if I can get it finished and see what it looks like and how it interacts and how I can use it for different things. And I found this gear set and I wonder what this does. And so I want to see if I can grab this guy and carry him back to my base and break him and have him as one of my slaves now. And it gets into this weird gameplay loop where Tribes of Midgard is like, I wonder if I, like I haven't fought the, I haven't fought the final boss yet. And then even after I have, it's like, I wonder if I could do it better and quicker. And I wonder if I can build my class up in a different way. And that's what Diablo three is like Diablo three and Diablo four are not, a okay, I beat the game. I'm done. It's okay. I beat the game. Now let me work on min-maxing this character and seeing what I can do with these different classes and how they interact and how I can build up this perfect class. And so those games do hit you differently because, or hit me differently, because the drive to continue playing them and being excited for it is no longer coming from an end goal of okay, I'm going to beat this game and be done with it. I don't understand or clearly have an end in mind for them until I create one. Conan clearly came from, okay, Ragnarok is out and I've I've been putting it off long enough and I've been playing Conan for months. I'm going to choose to beat Conan because I know how to beat it now. And that will be my end point. But prior to God of War Ragnarok, I didn't have an end point. So yeah, I'd say happiest gaming memory. Happy is an interesting thing because it's kind of like that. Um, I'm going to go 
with the first time I played Crash Bandicoot 1. I was ear to ear. I was playing on my dad's console, which we weren't, you know, it, it was very rare that we got to do it. My dad was letting me do it, and that was really cool. Um, and this is kind of tied with a story I've told before about my dad, my parents getting divorced and trying to make it work for this little weird period. And my mom bought my dad a PS2 uh, at launch. And my dad, I stayed home sick from school that day and I didn't know my dad was supposed to be there. Uh, and he apparently took off because it's the PlayStation 2. And so he wakes me up and I play NASCAR 2000 with my dad. Uh, those are both real. And both of them involve my dad, which is really interesting. So uh, I guess the fact that they're happy gaming memories, but they're also some of my happiest childhood memories. So they're, they're like tied. That. Good for you. Buddy. But Chris, we, we move along <clears throat> to a, to an angstier place, something more hard hitting. Think about your gaming history. What made you angry? What pissed you off? Oh, there's a lot of answers for this one, but I feel like longtime listeners of the show remember what happened to me playing Fallout New Vegas, and I don't feel that I need to say much more than that. Fallout New Vegas is one of the best and worst experiences I've ever had playing video games. What Chris is saying is don't go for the Fallout New Vegas plat. <laughs> if you go for the Fallout New Vegas plat, you better know what you're doing. <laughs> and right off the jump, don't do the DLC. Don't start the DLC. Don't get any items from the DLC. Don't do the DLC. Don't do the DLC. Don't do the DLC. That's what causes the memory leak. Don't do it. Yeah. And now, and that's what the memory leak is what leads to like three frames a second, right? Yeah. It's because. Or what you, was it? Like one frame a minute for you? Yeah, it was point? like one frame a minute where I'd have to restart the PS5 once I knew it had saved somewhere. PS3. Not good. Or did, were, were you playing on? No, I'm sorry. PS3. Okay. I was say, were you playing it on cloud? No, no, no. Because <laughs> no. that's I rough. Would never. <laughs> okay. Okay. Angriest gaming memory. Man, I'm trying to... I've got it because there's a big it's it's been since the show has been going um, long, long time listeners of this show. So, Josh, I know, you know, rude cold. I know, you know, I have a few chairs that me and the arm didn't get along because of a game. Um. Also, my front door up until I got my new one it was just an old steel door. And um, playing Bloodborne, I uh, punched my door <laughs> because I knew it was steel and it wasn't going to matter. It was an old, ugly door. And I left a dent in the door and I hurt my knuckle, clearly. Um, so, anger is gaming memory. I'm going to give it to Crash Bandicoot 1, Platinum Run, Icy Bridge, or it's one of the, uh, I think it's called the Icy Bridge or something like that. Um, but it's one of the few levels there are in Crash 1 where it is you crossing the bridges that have the ice pieces that break and the wood that breaks, depending on what's going on. Um, this, you have to get relics in that game, and you had to get platinum relics uh, for every level, pretty much. You had to get at least a gold relic in every level. And to get gold relic in that level, you have to do crazy shit that makes it really hard not to die like jumping on the rope on the side of the bridge and running on this pixel wide fucking straight line that you can easily slip off of and uh, it took me that was the level that took me the longest 
and platinuming the first Crash game whenever the Crash Insane trilogy came out. And in the throes of my anger around that level, I beat the shit out of the arm of my chair that is in front of my computer now (laughs) (laughs) and uh, broke the arm off. Uh, and before I broke the arm off, it bent the front of it down because there's a metal plate inside of it. And I Jesus. bent that metal down. And uh, then I broke the arm uh, to where it raises and lowers. It doesn't work anymore. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to go to angriest. I've gotten a lot better at controlling my anger, partially because I realized hey, I have a kid. I probably shouldn't do that and make that seem like it's okay and normal. Um, so it's been a while since I've gotten that angry at a game. I just uh, I stopped playing for a while and <laughs> go away. <laughs> Yeah, I had something like that happen to me with Bloodborne during uh, Defiled Amygdala. I like punched, oh my god, dude! I punched the uh, guy. Got frustrated, just went like this and knocked uh, knocked into like a dresser or something and broke my uh, my knuckle. Pushed that shit right in. Because you know, I recently did the Bloodborne Platinum, right? But in about two yeah. years ago. And uh, so I've al- I was already at the point where I'm like I, I don't do that right I've been wor- I, my my daughter's old enough she she really picks up and know, knows these things I'm mindful of what I do and I thought to myself as I was doing the defiled amygdala I was like dude I'm feeling it well up inside of my soul <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was awful truly yeah. awful. And the only thing that made it worse, but also better somehow simultaneously, is that after that, the Queen of Yarnum is the easiest, most stupid final boss I have ever seen to follow up that. It's terrible. It's super easy. It's not fun. And yet, if it had been anything harder than the Defiled Amygdala, I probably would have fucking never gotten the Platinum, if I'm being honest. Oh, God, no. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay, so we got our angriest memory down. Last one. Here we are, Chris. Most embarrassing gaming memory. What do you got? Oof. I've got mine locked in. I already know. All right, you go first because I got to think of it. I'll give you a little bit of time. Okay. Uh, The year 2010. uh, The game, Dead Space 2. The part... You come into this part, right, in Dead Space 2, where you enter this room, circular room. It's got these pillars that are in it, and uh, mostly dark, a little flashing light up in the left side corner, and uh, a, a thing that you've never seen before, but it's making a crazy-ass fucking sound. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's not far off from it, um, and you just see shadows running around, and you don't know what the fuck the shadow... Like, the shadows... You, you don't have enough information to understand what they are. And they're making this crazy noise in the game. It's right after super tense parts. The game's super tense. I always play horror games in the middle of the night with the lights turned off. And I used to, when I was playing that game, I had surround sound in my bedroom. So that surround sound on, loud, blaring, pitch black, no light anywhere except for this from the TV. And I start walking and I'm hearing this fucking croaks and weird noises and I'm like, okay, okay. All right. All right. I'm like, this is tense and I'm kind of on edge and okay. And it's one of the only times a horror game has genuinely fucking scared me. I heard the thing. I kept going and I kept seeing this thing kind of peek around. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go. And I decided to just sprint for it. And suddenly I just see from this pillar in front of me, this little shadow run by stop. 
look me dead in the eyes and then run at me all in like two seconds, if even that, very quickly. And because it was the first time I'd seen the thing that was building all this tension already and this crazy noise they're making and it was sprinting at me full blast and and so fast I couldn't react, I audibly shrieked. (laughs) 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 And my buddy Blaze, who was coming into the door at the time, the front door of my house here, it was my grandpa's house when I was growing up, and... He heard me and he was like, what the fuck? And I was so embarrassed because I I felt like at the time, of course, you're a teenager. You're trying to be all masculine and whatnot. I'm, I'm 17 or whatever it be. Uh, I guess I'm actually 15, 16. Um, I felt super embarrassed because I was like, I just shrieked and fucking got scared <laughs> from a game. I know it's not real. Horror movies normally don't scare me and anything like that. And so it just it fucking got me. I was super embarrassed. <laughs> my grandpa was like, what the fuck? And my grandpa couldn't hear. I'm like, ah! <laughs> it was it was honestly much higher pitched than that it was it was like well here we are i've barely been over my voice being this deep anyway so chris <laughs> i don't know if yeah. that's bought you some time do you have an embarrassing memory yeah i guess the sad part is my memory is kind of along the same path where um if you if anyone remembers the uh seminal indie game um slender the eight pages Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, for a person I don't talk to very much anymore, I was over at his house sleeping the night, and he had um, he was hosting, like, parents, friends or something, and they were in the uh, the room, the same room that where his stuff was, but, like, it was a guest bedroom in the same area of the house. So we're all playing Slender the Arrival. It was me, him, my my girlfriend at the time, his girlfriend at the time. We're all playing. And I'm going through, and I've got seven pages. And I'm like, I got this shit. I'm rocking through. I'm like super tense. I'm right up on the screen. Like the worst possible way I could ever possibly be. Um, so nothing's going on. And then if you remember that game, like it starts to kind of, you can hear him coming, like the you like you hear the noise. Audio design's great. Uh, super freaky. So I'm going through and I'm getting all these pages and I'm super confident. I'm like right in there, like kind of going. And then I spin and he's right there and the screen explodes into static. His face comes right forward and I fell out of the chair shrieking. And this was maybe two in the morning. So I wake these people up at two in the morning, screaming over this dumb video game. Um, yeah, so that's how that went. <laughs> Yours was a, there was a lot more witnesses and people that you didn't know well enough. Yours mm-hmm. is far more embarrassing. Mine was yeah. embarrassing, but <laughs> it was like it's like when your parents, like when you do something that's embarrassing to your parents. It's like yeah, but I know them. It's way worse when it's someone you don't have like a a deep connection with yet, and it's like ah fuck, I look yeah. like an idiot. Yep. And I definitely look like an idiot. Well, there you go. I think that that uh, wraps up the one and the only. Mm, Okay. Um, So, Chris, without further ado, I think that's about it. Uh, Let's you know. Let's do a little bit of little housekeeping here. Little wrap up. Housekeeping. What do you think? First thing to say. my Metacritic draft score continues to plummet as Redfall score plummets. Mine does um, not. Chris's is still holding strong. My uh, my short-lived victory was nice. Uh, <laughs> I will have to earn it back. We'll does see what happens. mean you want an update on the total scores here? 
quickly, very quickly, because I need to go. <laughs> but Chris, yes. quickly. I have a 72 with the addition of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom at a 96. Um, Brett, is at, Brett is at 61 with his edition of Redfall at 65 or 56. Sorry. So, yeah. Yeah, it's fallen from the 60s. I'm glad that you tried giving me that, but no, it's fallen from the (laughs) 60s. Yeah. All right. Uh, There's that. Of course, there is still the trophy competition going on. As you know, Kevin Bacon Bits, or at least formerly Kevin Bacon Bits, uh, the the trophy collector formerly known as Kevin Bacon Bits. (laughs) Yes. That's where we are. Uh, A one-armed wolf. He keeps up with the scores and posts them at the beginning of every month, giving an update on where everyone is. Currently, I'm still in third place. Chris is trying to sneak up, but I think he's in like sixth yeah, right. This is a pretty big rise from where he was. I think he was in ninth. So yeah. He, he jumped up a bit. Uh, so if you would like to, for some reason, join almost halfway through the year and still show everyone up, I mean, Kuno guy joined like three months late and, and is destroying. This is what, I second mean, or third? He's in second and by a very, very narrow margin <clears throat> to uh, the trophy collector previously known as Kevin Bakabitz. <laughs> So that's where we are. Uh, last and certainly not least, we would be remiss. I didn't even talk about India, India Hero Project or Square Enix, but you know what? I don't care. We've had a plenty <laughs> in this episode. We'll be fine. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about our great patrons. So quick, quick some of our the show, Brett. Oh, okay. Good, I do. Fix us have something to say. Um, we've joked about it a couple times in the episode. Um, Brett and I will have to finalize details on a release schedule while I'm on my business trip. Uh, my schedule will be a little bit different. So there is a possibility that an episode will come out different day. There is a possibility that Brett will have a guest host. So just want to make sure that we put that out there. That's very good. Yes, because we have three plus weeks that we will be going through this. We're going to see how the tech side of things goes with Chris being uh, not in his house and mm-hmm. being in a you know hotel room. You're at the whims of a hotel Wi-Fi or your phone's hotspot. Both are not necessarily the most reliable things. And, of course, how that works from a schedule perspective. So, yes, we will see. We're going to try and make it work with Chris. And if not, we will hopefully find someone who can fill in if it comes down to that. But we'll let you know as soon as we have a better, clearer picture. Yes. There we go. All right. Well, Chris, you know what I want to wrap around? Me. I want to wrap my arms around the lovely people who go to patreon.com slash nartech and give us as little as a dollar per month just to help support the show uh, with their money. It's a huge help to us. It helps us keep from having to dig in our own pockets to keep the show hosted, which does have a cost to it. Helps us not have to worry about any gear. If any gear messes up, we can gladly replace it without having to worry about, again, digging in our own pockets, worrying if the show will be delayed or messed up because of it. Uh, that is a great help to us, and it's been going on for years. You've all been great. We appreciate it greatly. Uh, so what we always do, as a shout-out to the people who are our, uh, our patrons, while we still have a reasonable amount of patrons, who knows if that will ever change, we like to shout-out every single patron who makes this show possible at the very end. Uh, so just as a huge thank you. There's no reason not to. So without further ado, we want to shout-out Spencer. Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, It's a Sin to Win, a.k.a. Sean, Aztec King, Legion 69, The Lord Corgi, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Dana Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Santaru. Thanks to each and every one of you. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.